Very, very rude, this this talk of my alleged accent. It's just not okay. that can't believe that we're only two weeks into 2024. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here too. How you doing tonight, Lori? I need Jerry to look at his Instagram and see what I sent him. Lori sent Jerry some Billy Joel content, and he did not look at it. What a jerk. That's how Lori's doing. Tonight is Tuesday, January 16th, 2024. Abe, did you have a good weekend before we get into the uh, wonderful, awful news of the week? Yeah, uh, it was a nice holiday weekend, Monday off. Uh, on um, on Saturday, you didn't know, didn't want to make didn't want to make our uh, our black co-host work on. <laughs> That's right. On Martin Luther King Jr. Day, why. wanted to respect <laughs> that. Because that's what the holiday is about. That's so right. we took the night off. We're here on a Tuesday, as we have been for the last few Tuesdays. Yeah, it's been a, of quite a few Tuesdays lately. But you know, there was like Christmas Day and Year's Day. Everything was falling on the Mondays. But last week we were talking about the the the, the greedy evil NFL um, uh, making you pay a streaming service to watch one of the games this this past weekend, the Chiefs Dolphins. I went to a, a bar with some friends to like watch it. We ended up at a bar that only had like one TV, and they didn't want to fork over the money for it. So like we ended <laughs> up watching the Chiefs Dolphins game on someone's phone, and thankfully it was not a. Uh, competitive game so we kind of stopped after a quarter these bars they can get in big trouble if they just try to buy like an individual stream for six dollars or or, or 29.99 or something and then because it, it breaks those rules that you hear at yeah. the beginning and the end because of the of the baseball game or the football game or whatever it's like if you are this is for home use only or what have you like right. that yeah. fbi warning on a on a video yeah typically what we pay is for personal use and like it typically comes up for Box, boxing, not that that's a big thing anymore, or yep. UFC where it's like a big like fighting event. Yep. And When I worked at the bar, people would come in, not all the time, but enough that I remember he would be like, do you guys have the fight? And I'd be like, no, never come back. <laughs> that's a weird thing to want to watch. But yeah, that's usually like when some places get into trouble. But like, yeah, I would imagine with football, like I bet you no one would care if you used your personal license to show it to everybody at a bar. Yeah. Well, no one except the many, many lawyers employed by the Comcast Corporation, I'm sure. But they would need to have like a secret snitch shopper or something to like report. I'm at this bar here in Midtown Atlanta. Sick them. You know, I was joking about uh, MLK Day. Yesterday on on Twitter, I saw that Charlie Kirk, oh, who's the, the the Talking Points USA dweeb, I think it's I think that's his organization is Talking Points USA. It, he, it's like one of these. He was like a a young looking college Republican nerd who went full Trump 
when Trump came about. Was he not? And, I, I know him from the Trump years on. Was he something else before? I don't know if he predates the Trump situation or not. He's not quite old enough to much predate it. I'm sure he's one of these – I'm sure that he's one of these kids who is like 12 years old and wearing a bow tie and writing letters <laughs> to the editor, like you know that sort of thing. And then – It's and then turning points, his, right? Turning points? Turning points. That's what it is. Turning points, not talking points. But he's been an obnoxious presence on the internet for quite some time now, and he elected yesterday – Almost ruefully was the I only wa- I only saw the first tweet of this, but he was like, uh, "You're not gonna like this, but but this is important, and we're gonna we're gonna take down MLK today." And he he okay. took it as his mission to destroy the reputation of Martin Luther King Jr. on MLK Day, and I saw this defended by your boy Matt Walsh, the the oh. bearded. Uh, Daily Wire host, who I've hated uh, for a very long time, uh, and he with, with the defense of Charlie Kirk taking a dump on MLK on MLK Day is that look, we didn't choose this fight. You're the you're the assholes who wanted to cancel everybody and want to take down monuments and ignore history and all of this stuff. But if if you're gonna make us Uh, have a reckoning with regards to Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and all of that, then it's time for a reckoning when it comes to Martin Luther King Jr. (laughs) And I I elected not to interact with any of that content any further, which I think shows some maturity and growth on my part. It shows change. Bravo. Uh, But... What the fuck is wrong with people? And first of all, it's it's one of those classic things where, like, we all already know that Martin Luther King Jr. is an imperfect human being, right? right. We, know, we know. We know about the affairs. We know about the various allegations. We know this because the FBI, like, kept tabs on him and tapped his phone for years and years. Like, we know the basic outline of it. But we don't decide to freak out about it because he said some other very important things that were then captured by the broader cultural imagination and became this incredibly important figure. In the same way that Thomas Jefferson, uh, we know, right? It's not some great shock that Thomas Jefferson was kind of a piece of shit in his personal dealings with uh, certainly with his slaves and with, uh, you know, his progeny. Uh, the ones who came from Sally Hemings anyway, right? Like, uh, uh, not not a great person. Also, the uh, uh, fucking great founding father type, right? Who did really great things for this country and, and got us moving. So uh, we build monuments to him. Like, yeah, uh, to some extent, I wish we didn't have to have monuments. We didn't have to tell these sorts of stories. Uh, but they're important to people. And no- nothing that you did yesterday, Charlie Kirk or Matt Walsh, is at all meaningful. I, I wonder if the Charlie Kirks of the world understand how they're kind of like exposing some blind spots that they have because like, you know, the the Martin Luther King is being uh, like he had this holiday because of the noble things he did, right? Not because of whatever other stuff that they're trying to uh, bring up to light, right? Like whatever, like womanizing or whatever else it may be. He's being... Um, honored for the positive things that he did and not the negative, right? Similar to Thomas Jefferson, right? Like they're not saying like, wow, what a great slave owner. 
Right. Right? They're saying, wow, he has some great idea, then he blah, 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 founding father. Like the positive Matt, The Matt Walsh point is that if I have to endure you talking shit about George Washington and and Thomas Jefferson, then you must endure Charlie Kirk and I talking shit about MLK. And like, no, man. Like it doesn't – Actually, no. Like, we don't all have to be Chris Rufo. Right. We don't all have to do the thing that we disagree with just because you perceive it to be being done against your side by the side that you don't care for. Certainly not from self-professed Christian theologians slash theocrats who want the world to reflect a Judeo-Christian worldview, whereas they just continue to insist on the public square that everything is actually just eye for an eye. Right. But— what I'm saying, like the, the the criticism, basically, I think what they're they're doing is trying to reduce everything to just like criticisms are being leveled against people or things that we like, and so we'll do the same in kind, but without looking into like the reasons why uh, MLK was killed was because he was trying to promote justice across the board, right? Not because he was cheating on his wife or any other reason that you may come up with, right? The reason why the statues, the, the Confederate statues, are, are, are people are calling to, to, to bring those down is because those statues are venerating that bad stuff. They're not saying, like, they were good, like, military people alone, although there's some of that, but, like, the lost cause, the Southerners had the right to do whatever, right? Like, so those are the bad things, right? So you're saying we shouldn't be celebrating the bad stuff that they were promoting and we should be celebrating the good stuff other people are promoting, right? So it seems like they were kind of reducing everything to like, well, you're saying negative things, we can right. do the same without like, like, why is it negative? Why is it positive? Like, without actually looking into the heart of the matter. And like, do you agree or do you not? Like, was Martin Luther King wrong about the points he was making about the segregated uh, South and other parts of the country? Like, was he right or wrong? Like, were the people who wanted... Like he, there was, he was saying that he was despised back then. He was vilified, but you know, people didn't like him back then. Like little do people know that he wasn't liked back then. Why was he not liked? Right. For- also, everybody knows that this is not some secret hidden knowledge. Right. This is the thing that always bothers me about these conversations, whether it's about Martin Luther King or or an alleged false history that we were taught in middle school. Right. Like, no, I don't believe you. We were taught that George Washington chopped down the cherry tree as a joke, right? Like right. as a like it was a, it wasn't something that we were supposed to like, I don't know. Like it wasn't this weird Johnny Appleseed version of American history that we got 30 years ago. We got something approaching a uh, truth right. with regards to all of this stuff. It, it wasn't some uh, pure American hagiography. Right. That we received as an education, uh, were there problems with it? Absolutely, no doubt. But like the the question of whether or not MLK was beloved at the time is ridiculous. Of course, he was hated. They fucking killed him, <laughs> right? Like they, if he was going to be beloved, he wouldn't have had to say the things that he had to say, right? Like it doesn't even make any sense that he would have been beloved at the time, right? Like I, I don't know what the what what the point is. Also, uh, I mean, it it's kind matter. of a weird thing for like a supposed Christian to make, isn't the whole Jesus thing? Like, yeah, you know, but they do it different. He was reviled and blah blah blah. They don't do it the the nice way. Yeah. They do it the shitty way. So it's what you can expect. Abe, did you watch the? So you said you watched it on somebody's phone. Yes. Uh, we watched it because we were. Uh, I'm. I take full blame. <laughs> so you I were one of the twenty three million. Full blame. I signed up for Peacock and I did the bad thing. I was snookered into 
paying for a whole year of Peacock up front By rather design. than just right rather than so just I don't the 5.99 episode it was where bob suggests we have fewer streaming services <laughs> and i i hard no not more no more no less like we are we are right where we need to be with the streaming services and he was like nah we should have we should cancel them i've added Since i've added then, two in the last three weeks he has signed up for two <laughs> just the last three weeks trend line is all I've wrong added two streamers uh, one of which i have to have for the next 12 months because they they were just offering such a good deal it was, it was a very good deal it was uh it's you, too good to turn normally it's 60 dollars for a year of peacock but they were offering a, a 30 dollar 29.99 for for twelve months, like how do you how do you but, turn that down? But the, 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 you know, I wonder. You know, because there were like the the person uh, that who, uh, whose phone we were watching the game on, like they already had Peacock, right? This was a pre existing yeah. deal that they had. But I wonder how many uh, Bob and Lori's there are. Like where they were, like were it not for oh, this so many. game. And this sweetheart, like year, because it is a good deal over the course of a year. They knew but what they were doing. if it weren't for this playoff streaming only thing, you wouldn't even consider. Like if you saw thirty dollars nope. for the year, like oh, get the fuck out of here, Peacock. What's that? Nope. Right. So like, I wonder what the number because that's got to be a significant amount. This must have been like a successful little gambit. Yeah, but I won't believe anything that Comcast tells me about that number because they've already made some truly outrageous claims. About uh, about how many people watched and and what that meant for internet traffic. Uh, they claim that it broke streaming records. That it reached twenty seven point six million viewers. Now I believe the twenty seven point six million approximately as much as I believe any of the like Nielsen right. ratings. Like I okay, basically sure, yeah. fine. I they, they are experts. They figure this sort of thing out. I believe you. Let's let's take that claim at face value. The claims that I don't take so much at face value is the claim that it was the most streamed event ever in the United States, which well, what I don't would be more streamed. Yeah, it I don't know. It was exclusively streamed. It has to be right. that. Right. Yeah. That's but just yeah because you're right. What what's the competition like? It's not like any other event was ever this popular and also only. Only available streaming. Like, you know, like ESPN, you can watch it streaming, but it's available on cable. I mean, some weird live reunion of a reality show, right. maybe. Like, right, the fine. Love is Blind. Fine. Like, plausible. That. A plausible claim is that it was the most watched streaming event ever, right? That's right. a perfectly acceptable, plausible claim. They further went on to suggest that most streamed event in U.S. history, topping last year's Saturday primetime AFC wildcard game by 6%. Peacock registers the biggest day in its history, driven by NFL wildcard exclusive and entertainment programming. That is highly believable. Drives internet usage to a single day United States record. I don't believe you. Yeah, that. I, yeah. I, I do not believe that Saturday was the single busiest day for U.S. internet traffic ever. What would have been a bigger day? Literally any other yeah, day. Like a, like like a, a, a I, big event, like like it didn't have to be sports. Like if there was something that had people on Twitter or all the different social media. But then is I, it a question of like because there were there, are they trying to make some claim like twenty seven million times twelve gig or whatever like whatever however big the file package yeah. is that they sent out over the internet and therefore and it was four hours long. 
where like you're not on I mean you are but like you're not on Twitter for four hours on November what was it January 6th like which was the day you pointed to as the most interneted day which like a lot of people don't care about news I know they don't care about news but like I think January 6th or any election day or like the the fucking Super Bowl like in terms of just people people, interact with the TV just people going on the internet and and being active online I just sort of don't believe that we set a record on Saturday it, and like point to point to some point to something because this is just a fucking press release right. that was then sent around and then it made all of the tech blogs and there's no like nobody is actually able to be like yeah like according to this website that tracks these things this claim actually checks out they're not even bothering they're just like look at what NBC said about uh, how many people were watching on Saturday right and it's helpful sometimes you know like with sports have said, oh, the Lions haven't won since like 19 such and such or like they've been on this losing streak since one like if they had some sort of this this is the most traffic the internet has seen, uh, besting whatever, like 2012s, whatever. Yeah. You know, some, like if they had something to like, as, as a comparison, say this is was the leader in the clubhouse until this happened, but they didn't do that. It's got to be, that that's the thing. I think that because you had everybody streaming something at the same time, yeah. every day would pale in comparison to that if you keep in mind that a lot of people, like a whole giant generation of people, is like all of our parents who just aren't on the internet as much. Okay, but like on Christmas, everybody downloads their new video games or whatever, right? Like they get on their... No, not everybody. I know not everybody, but like millions of people download new shit on their PS5 or whatever on Christmas Day. A video game drop would have probably been the second biggest one on like cyber new- monday people get on the internet and interact and interact with the internet a billion times right they, on black friday on any major news event they get online and they talk about shit uh the the largest internet event ever they this is what they're calling it the u.s usage ever on a single day and the largest internet event ever consuming 30 percent of internet traffic during the game that a full third you know, of internet traffic was about this football game. But no, is for that, those that four was hours that football right. game? And maybe that's the thing. I think if you're combined, because does it count as internet traffic to be streaming? Something? Why are you ball washing Comcast but right you know, now? I'm not, this this is a, an actively absurd no, 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 claim you, you, that is not backed up by any information whatsoever, and they're just reading it as a commercial on the internet. And you're like, yeah, probably true. <laughs> but, but, and I'm being skeptical, <laughs> and you're like, nah, definitely believe Comcast. I'm hashtag. not saying believe Comcast. <laughs> I'm just saying if if what you're measuring is like you said, like. How are you measuring it? Like gigs? Because if everybody is streaming something, the same thing, for four hours, like there's nothing that compares to that. The the good thing about uh, these claims, like at first it read to me like North Korean propaganda, but then like the more you think of it, you're like, this is like unclaimed territory because there hasn't been an event like this. This yeah. is fertile ground for bullshitting your way it's, through. Like, who, who can say like, no? It's like sailing 400 miles out into the ocean and being like, yep, here's the border of the United States. It's like, what are you talking about? It's like claiming claiming area on Jupiter right. for for your shitty uh, uh, Pacific island that doesn't it, have it's enough stupid. area. It, but 
it sounds so ridiculous. Like, why do they care? It's hard to like. It's like hmm, the more you think about it, like I, there's no like obvious counter, but maybe some nerd somewhere is looking into this. They're gonna have an expose in a week, but like right now, and maybe some nerd somewhere. It's one of these bullshit claims that just has to stand because, like, I don't know. Like that sounds like bullshit, but I can't prove otherwise. It makes me very upset. I don't don't understand why it makes me upset, but I don't want you to think that I'm defending Comcast. It's just the sort of it's the sort of claim that they make, and they don't have to back up. And it's just like, and it's all in service of what a great thing we did, and we're going to make this big pile of money, and you'll be happy about it again when we do it next year. Uh, And I assume that they'll do it next year if they're if they're. If they're making these sorts oh, of claims just now, just in time for us to need to renew that. Right. That yeah, they'll time it just right. Uh, by the way, Bob, you you should find an email and send them uh, an email saying, "Look, you already got my money. Just level with me." That's uh, <laughs> that press release, bullshit, right? And see what they say. See what they say. <laughs> they're like, "All right, Bob, we'll tell you it was bullshit. <laughs> Don't tell anybody else." If they got, let's see, if at thirty dollars, how many me's out there would they need? To make up for the hundred and ten million dollars that they spent, and there, but there are also the people that signed up. The for answer is the six dollars for the month. Right, right. But I'm saying if let's assume, I don't know what I, I, I just make up some fucking numbers here, just like Comcast would, so it doesn't matter. But let's assume <laughs> that the the median price paid of the new sign up was twelve dollars, right? So right. most people just spent six dollars and will cancel. But some amount of people spent the $30 and will have it for the whole year. And then some smaller amount than that actually spent $60 on the product because they didn't realize that there was some sort of a promotion happened. How many dollars do they need to make up? They need to make up $110 million. But you you know the thing about Peacock uh, is that they're double dipping, right? The $110 million million didn't have – Right. So it didn't it didn't have to be made up just by the added yeah. subscriber base. They have all that ad money. I mean, what was it? I mean, I saw 23 million, but you said it's up to 26 million now. That's the territory of where last year's uh wildcard matchups were, like on broadcast television. So like I will say though, this uh if the numbers are not cooked uh and they're accurate, uh then God help us, because like everybody now is going to do this. Like CBS is like, why can't we double dip? You know, uh, a, a, well, ESPN and and uh, like Fox, you know, Fox Nation or whatever the streaming app is. Everybody can do this because they'll the one thing people will follow is the NFL. So do the same thing, offer like a nice first year deal, and then you can get your ad money and the subscriber money. The games were fun though, right? You know. It's funny, uh, I was thinking it was like an entertaining weekend of football, but then looking at the scores, there was only one competitive game. But because the the Eagles and the Cowboys lost, the entertainment value from those defeats, you can kind of like overlook the fact that they weren't close games and the Steelers game wasn't also cl- was also not that close. So like even though the, the wasn't very competitive beyond one game, it was still kind of a fun weekend of football. Uh, I believe, in fact, I clipped... Uh, us saying it, uh, our prediction about the the Cowboys that we said that Dak has got that sort of a game in him where he's going to throw a bunch of picks and look like total shit, and then it, and then it happened. He almost threw three picks in the first. He almost threw like four picks in the first half and ended up only being two. But that's only because uh, they were going up against a team that's not that good. 
and kept dropping right. interceptions. What was the only uh. close game? I can't even remember. Oh, the, the Lions-Rams. Right. Lions yeah. It was like a one-point yeah. game. The Lions-Rams game was awesome, the one that we watched last night. 24-23. Which, again, that's another one that... Uh, Sunday night. Was it Sunday night? The, yeah. The Cowboy, the, the, the Rams should have won that game. Uh, like, they had every opportunity to win that game after the Lions got off to a pretty hot start, uh, but they just couldn't quite finish the job. Also, if you are, I know this is uh, X's and O's type nonsense, but if you're Sean McVay and you have the ball at like the 40-yard line with four minutes to go in the game and only one timeout, you have to go for it on fourth down. You are, you are the, yeah, you I, cannot I, I, just <laughs> give the ball to the other team. I don't care about field position. If it's a question of, are you going to give up a first down or two or not? And that's the whole ball game. It doesn't yes. matter if it's happening right. at the 40 yard line or back at the 10 or the 15. Not even really X's and O's shit. You just, you must possess the ball. I know it's like, it's, it's, it's like the, the NBA revolution that happened a few years ago where it's like, wait a second, you're telling me that if we score more three pointers, that's better. <laughs> Than scoring two pointers because you get you get fifty percent more points each time down the floor. That's right. They call it advanced analytics. Three greater than two. In the same way, in football, if you are in possession of the ball and you have another opportunity to advance it down the field and gain four more tries after that to continue possessing the ball, you should do that. Right? Don't. Just right. take one of yes. those as an opportunity to hand the ball to the other team. What was it? Four minutes or so? Yes, four like minutes. Four or five minutes. So it's bizarre. You're right. Like, first of all, you know, what, weren't there some nerds that were saying, like, you should always go for it on fourth down? Like, yeah, you know, there being are nerds reckless. that say that, but Seth Emerson wrote a really good article this year about how, no, you shouldn't. You should not. Okay, but you should at some points, right? Like this situation Sometimes, where just like, not they people because do like, it way more, and it has led to pointed out by a different athletic journalist that when the team that is on defense successfully stops the team on offense from converting that fourth down, they hold up the fist, right? Which is wrong because now it's first down. But the fourth down oh. is the new third down. Right. Yeah. But it, it's it, – it, I, I don't know why more coaches – because coaches have gotten more aggressive by going for two more often. That is one situation where, like, you shouldn't even think twice about it because four minutes is not a lot. You know, like, you get one first down, that's going to bleed half of the, that time. A second first down, the game is over. It's not impossible for this solid team to do that, right? So it's like, why not – just take a chance because it's not like fourth and forever. It was like fourth inside of 10 yards or something. Right. It wasn't like – And you've got – that's the other thing is you've got to know on third and 10 that you have two downs to get this and that you should not be throwing the ball yeah, 20 yards down right. the field. Yeah. Like it was right. just it was just a, a momentary bad game management situation for McVay there, which is kind of too bad because I was – I was really hoping that Matt Stafford was going to dump all over the Lions fans there. Like, I, I, oh, I'm, I'm like happy him. for the Lions to some extent. Like, yeah, it's cool. They haven't won a playoff game since we were like eight years old or something. It's been a very long time. 
and that's you know good for them. I, I personally don't care for Jared Goff, but also uh, when there are sixty or seventy thousand people in a single building who all want one thing to happen, <laughs> and it's like a lifetime has been, and they keep cutting to like the ninety-year-old guy who's had <laughs> well, season way, tickets. How did- do do they do they do any digging into that? Because you know sometimes people will just say things because they the person that they're pointing to uh, said as, as as much. But like, do they actually look into it? Like, hey, you said you were a season ticket holder since '59, but we don't have any record of you no, going back to like 2005. Comcast. They just say what they want. Right. Yeah, also, it's just like they're putting some old guy. They're like, this guy's been watching for some time, and they accept it. Also, like, did he put his kids through college or did he have season tickets for the fucking Lions instead? Like, what is what, I want to I milkshake duck this asshole. I want to know uh, everything he's been accused of in his life. We're not going to give him a pass just because he's been devoted to this awful football team for his entire life. It would be great if they, uh, the, the story, like, unfolded as the Lions advance in the playoffs on this upcoming week. This week in between the games, they do the, the great – soft story and then like if they win next week then they showed the expose like the kids are coming forward to saying this guy's a piece of shit like he was spending all that money on these hapless lions who didn't do anything and we have to fend for ourselves he's going to be a a a gym and history coach who's been diddling children for the last 40 years (laughs) and that that's who they're venerating during the lions games by the way uh Matt Stafford, uh, he's going to have some problems in retirement. Like, he's taking on too much. He's absorbing too many hits. He's getting injured too often. Like, he, his, I think once he's done with football, he's going to have a bad, like, 15, 20 years. I don't think he'll be, like, le- living easy. He's, like, gotten the shit, he's gotten the shit kicked out of him for so long. That was the, the thing that's most remarkable about his numbers. And you go and you look at his career numbers. And I uh, have done this a couple times because I've, I've listened to uh, the Biffler and uh, people <laughs> shitting on Matt Stafford because they're not Georgia people. Yeah, uh, they're Matt Stafford, up Jared Goff. It, it must be said Matt Stafford has benefited from the move towards a more offensive, friendly NFL over the course of the last generation or so, right? Like that must be right. said. He's not one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But he had a couple of the greatest offensive seasons of all time, right? And it, it became a more frequent thing to throw for fucking 4,000, 4,500, 5,000 yards. It's not, it's not uh, cartoon Madden numbers anymore in the, in the way that it used to be. But he, the thing to understand about Stafford is that he was doing this on dreadful Detroit Lions teams where he only had like one other competent NFL player at his side uh, to, to help him get through those years, just getting hammered over and over oh, that again. Video of him. That's like the longest sustained NFL films cut ever where he's like hurt and he sits out one play and he's like, Oh, you need me to throw the ball. I can go in and right. throw it. Like it, that, yeah. like th- it's impossible to not like him. Unless you're just trying to not like someone, which is, I guess. It's a choice. Yeah. Anyway, any, anything else on the NFL this weekend? I, I thought, the the, uh, the Sirianni guy, the head coach for the, the, it seemed like uh, people don't like this guy. Cause like, as soon as uh, the wheels were coming undone throughout the last like six weeks. And now that they lost to Baker Mayfield, um, (laughs) there's a lot of, I predicted that uh, it would be hilarious if the Bucks (laughs) beat the Eagles. And can confirm it was hilarious as the Bucks were beating the Eagles last night. 
it's not that the Cowboys and Eagles lost, it's that they lost so soon. Like, I mean, as soon as the playoffs started, they shit the bed. Like, it's remarkable how quickly they're like, why, why are we waiting till the divisional round? Let's just get it over with now and go to our vacation homes. Because it's like, almost Maybe immediately just played badly. And it wasn't like a, it went back and forth and the other team just had one or two good plays. It's like they weren't good the whole game, the whole the entire game. They no, got, it was they, a total disaster. It was a total – I mean, Dak was just actively bad. The, the, he had no protection. He's throwing – he's making terrible decisions. And on the in the other game, Baker Mayfield looked great. Like up until oh, like this one yeah. moment, I was about to text you to say how awesome Baker Mayfield looks. And he immediately throws the ball into double coverage. And the only reason it's not a pick is because the guy uh, penis fingered it and was unable to secure the catch. And I was like, <laughs> up until this exact moment. Yes. <laughs> Baker Mayfield has been awesome. Uh, Everything was going his way because, like, he did like another. I'm just gonna throw it in the air and hope for the best. And it was a touchdown, like late in the game, like where like there was like a blitz and he had no time. He just let's see what happens. Like one of those throws that usually ends in in disaster. Like, and it was like it was like his night. Like, when and it that wasn't kind of unlike works, watching that Michigan game where Michigan was just making every tackle and Washington was not last right. night. The Bucks on defense were just – they wanted it more or something. They're just fucking getting after it, and they're making every tackle. And the Eagles players are just, like, running around and, like, literally running into each other and knocking yes. each other over. I was yeah. watching the Manning cast last night. It was so great. And it was just wonderful. And I – Ray uh, Lewis. Historically, uh, not a fan of Ray Lewis, am I? His whole – He got older. His whole He's likable now. His whole Jesus Because of that stick. murder – Right, the 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 murder he that he atoned for possibly semi orchestrated, and then also uh, also the whole Jesus thing and the victim thing always bothered me with him. Was he uh, the antler spray guy to explain away his uh, steroids usage? Like, he, 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 I don't know if it was him or somebody else. Somebody he had some sort of weird. Hey, we're not here antler. to tear down people. <laughs> That's right. In fact, I'm trying to be nice about Ray yeah. Lewis in the moment. He was great. On the Manning cast last night, just utterly exasperated by all of the youths out there on the field uh, showing poor tackling technique and form. He said, You gotta put him in a cup. As though anyone knew what he was talking about. But he clearly knew what he was talking about. So I agree with him. Did either Manning respond like, Oh, I know exactly what you mean? Or they just had that look like, All right. That's well, they, he knew they were talking about like the angles you're supposed to take on, or on defense. They don't know anything about that's... tackling. I know that we've talked about before about how like Lori's long wanted just like a crowd noise feed of your your game, and your boys on the Biffler have talked about how you guys should be permitted to do a like a podcast, the Biffler feed of whatever game is on, and then just allow whoever wants to listen to that feed. So it's just like to, unlimited feeds and people can watch alongs. Right. Like can a watch, sh- like a watch party basically. Right, and you right. can invite people to your watch party and they can, they can watch you watch the game so that everybody's sort of their own Twitch streamer. Like, because that's basically what Twitch is, is that you go on Twitch and you play your video game and people can watch along and, and talk as you go. Like that seems to me to be a plausible way forward for an ESPN or yes. one of these other things is to have a functionally limitless pile of streams available for uh, influencer types That's and what podcasting I've been types for so to many do. Years. Is there a uh, broadcast crew union? Like you think they'd be all over this? Like oh fuck this shit! Like we need to keep our important role in place. Like we can't have some yokels. Ding. So like you got we 
I'll include myself, we could not do a YouTube stream with the game embedded in our screen. Right. That's not allowed. It's the same thing as as showing it at the bar. It's like there's a it's a different sort of license and if you're attempting to profit off of something then you're going to have to fork over uh, some further licensing fee which it would be out of the realm of possibility for most smaller right. things, right? Like Pat McAfee conceivably if he wasn't already in the ESPN family could work something out or like Joe Rogan uh, could conceivably pay to license that sort of stuff. But anyway, whatever. I think that that will not the, the, like the Manning cast as a proof of concept works well enough that I can see that being something that that develops more going forward. Yeah. So uh, Nick Saban retired. Uh, Lori Jesus thinks Christ. Lori, Lori took it very personally. She was weepy about it for a brief moment. It's still now. Still now I'm getting upset about it. It's big deal. There were no uh, succession planning. That is sort of surprising, right? Because this is a guy who's always had a next, like, who's always had a lieutenant around in some form or fashion, right? Like, when it wasn't, like, when Kirby was there, one one could have imagined, okay, Kirby's next up, right? Like, if Kirby doesn't go take a job somewhere else. But but Nick decides to retire, then maybe this is Kirby's team. I guess they didn't have that there. No, maybe he's just lost. He's lost too many assistants year after year after year. Yeah, for that to make sense. So they end up going with Kellen DeBoer out Kalen of DeBoer. Kalen DeBoer out of Washington, who to me seems like sort of the right sort of fit, just in terms of his presentation. Like he's very reserved. He doesn't. He doesn't get all excitable and stuff. Like the, the people were immediately saying they're going to go after Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning is not the right sort of fit for the Alabama job. Why not? Him, Why wouldn't he? He seems like he's a very good coach and he can recruit and like all the things that you want in a head coach. He's got, yeah, but at at Alabama, he's like too you, young. He's and young. Too, you but you know the, the the bore guy. Uh, it's probably going to get some uh, unfortunate. Like I can see the signs when he starts sucking. Uh, but like, uh, doesn't uh, he have issues when it comes to recruiting, or he hasn't been able to recruit at this the, level? It, well, he hasn't recruited well, but he right. hasn't been. He hasn't needed to. Right, but then that plus from what I'm reading, I didn't know this, but because I, it's, I wouldn't think this would be true. But apparently, Alabama is not the strongest NIL program. Or it's not up there. Like they seem right. to be well, lacking. They, they, they haven't need been. To be. Yeah, yeah. They didn't. But now they, they will. Nick I mean, Saban. they don't have the name, so like They'll now they fine. need to be. So you're not concerned at all about this guy. Like somebody would liken him to that Rich Rod experiment in Michigan. Concerned? No, I think this is great news. What are you talking about? This no, is no. a team that is destined to be like uh, eight and four for the next couple of years. <laughs> take take the Georgia hat off. Not. Just like if you were an Alabama fan, would you not be concerned about this hire? Oh yeah, if I was an Alabama fan, but there's like yeah, Bob there's is... like four million of those at most in the world. What are you talking about? Who gives a shit? Thing, this, is, is... this is spectacular news. Do you okay. rem- do you remember for how Stop. long in our lives Alabama fucking sucked and didn't matter? Yes. for years and years and years. Was that one of the Shula spawns? Like who, who yes, was who was the coach right before? before? The thing yeah. is, no one. It it the shoes are too big to fill. They right. just are. So right. there's no one that's going to do the thing. Like it, it, they could hire anyone and it, I it can't believe I have to, to say this. Right. Fuck Nick Saban. Are you kidding <laughs> me? Are you kidding me? Fuck Nick Saban. 
He took so much. They were so good for so long, and it sucked ass. <laughs> he had a nice little career. I mean, he always beat Georgia nice except career. for like maybe once or he twice. He was the most joyless, soulless <laughs> fuck who couldn't even enjoy the momentary win when he got it. Right at the, yeah. uh, he would he would be upset about the fact that they missed out on an extra half day of recruiting because they had to celebrate the national title win. Like right. this is a. a joyless motherfucker who only cared about the very next thing and great it worked for him a fantastic football Ended up coach working for fucking us too because sure. how do you think we won two titles you think kirby just came out of nowhere i mean sure he, he comes fucking learned it from nick saban and he so made the sport better for everyone this is some fucking comcast level propaganda coming out of your mouth does uh kirby go under the nick saban tree the coaching so like this- tree, the coaching tree is insane. Yeah, like, right. I mean, it's like the opposite of like uh, Belichick, who had like a bunch of garbage coaches underneath him. But Saban has had. I mean, I don't know how much you can attribute credit to him because a lot of coaches have come through Alabama's program while he was the head coach. But like Kirby Smart is likely a coach under his tree, right? Because like he was there. He was there for yeah, a few absolutely. years. Yeah, you know, sure, so. absolutely. I'm sure that he learned important things from Nick Saban. Also, uh, we're talking about Nick fucking Saban here. <laughs> Are you out of your fucking mind? It is so great that he's not going to be a coach in college football anymore. Of course it's anymore. great that he's not going to be a coach. It's still like sad. We don't have to watch him weirdly stare into the camera uh, in between every question. We're probably going to have to do that even more, actually. Well, maybe he'll, he'll, take a, for ESPN. he'll take a media goddamn training class or something and learn not to glance suspiciously into the camera. He's been, he's fine in interviews when it's not the post-game interview. Like when he was on during the national championship last year talking to David Pollack. Pollack. Yeah. Um, he's he's better when he's like on a panel when it's not oh, like really? sideline. Like, what do we? What do you? Why am I talking to you? That's I interesting. Would like you to m- go now. It's interesting you mentioned that, Laura, because like somebody was floating the idea like he was supposed to like take over for Corso like after a year or two of retirement. Like yeah, after, people say things, but like I was like he seems kind of like a dry person. Like I didn't know it, it would even work if he wanted to. I don't no, think he, would he doesn't work have as, that like, sort of Corso. clownish personality. What no. are we talking about here? No joy. Takes no pleasure in life. <laughs> like, some I, joy. I've seen him. I saw him smile more in the last season than he had in his entire career up till now. Right. Yep. I think that he enjoyed it a little bit more. The end of that Auburn game, he looked like a silly little boy on Christmas morning. Like he couldn't believe what had happened at the end of that Auburn game that they squeezed out. Uh, but otherwise, like uh, for the most part, you see you see him as the the joyless sociopath that he's always been. And fuck Nick Saban. I'm so glad that he's out of coaching in the SEC <laughs> and, and will never coach again. Uh, was he great for the sport? Uh, I guess if you think it's good that Alabama won six fucking titles in the last. I think it's good that the level, the standard was raised like, I don't know, 10. It was raised 10. The standard uh, of everything, the facilities and just everything. I will say that he graduated a hell of a lot of kids out of that program in a way that uh, Georgia certainly has not. And I would like to see Georgia graduate 93% of its football players. Uh, in a, in a, and we don't do that. Uh, it's, we, we graduate almost no one. We graduate as it turns them to the out. NFL. You don't hear too many uh, 
bad stories coming out of Alabama either. Like, I mean, I'm sure there's like the occasional story here or there, but you don't, it's not like these other schools were like, oh, some. I also suspect we're talking about the University of Alabama here. Oh, you think they uh, covered (laughs) up some of things? It's not hard. I think that things are easy, easily swept under the under the rug there in a way that maybe they aren't in all places. We do that at all the schools. Yeah, sure, and it it makes me uncomfortable when it happens at Georgia too. Yeah, so it's uh it's interesting. Like, if had he stayed at LSU, he, he would have won multiple titles. I mean, he won the one, but like, and, and what's the Les Miles came in like took credit for the other, but like he the Miami stint didn't work. You know that uh, quarterback situation that they had with Culpepper and Drew Brees, but. Like other right. than that, so, it's been so that's very the most remarkable thing about his time at Alabama is that Alabama remains a seven and six or or right. eight and four program for the last twenty years, except for the fact that the Miami team physicians were like, "We don't think that Drew Brees is going to fully recover from whatever this injury is that he's coming back from." Right. So we're going to go with Dante Dante Culpepper instead of instead of Drew Brees. If he gets Drew Brees in Miami and actually has a quarterback, and then Drew Brees goes on to have the sort of career that Drew Brees had in New Orleans, who knows if he ever leaves the NFL. That would be at least one or two more titles for Georgia, if that, in alternate (laughs) reality. (laughs) So can we agree on fuck Nick Saban? Jesus Christ. And I will say the same thing I told Calvin and Katie, and it's I realized earlier this year when – uh, Fran Brown, the defensive backs coach at Georgia, got the head coaching job at Syracuse, and he did his little press conference like, thank you for hiring me at Syracuse. He said that Kirby on day one said, I'm going to teach you how to be a head coach. Oh. And I realized then that Nick Saban taught Kirby how to do that. And he taught who know I mean I know Kirby so that's who I think of but he probably taught fucking Lane Kiffin how to do that and right. Sarkeesian how to do that. Like, I don't think anybody taught Lance Kiffin how to do anything. That's no, probably not. He's a little bit of a failure. But the point is to teach someone how to do a thing is is one kind of hard, but to show them how to teach other people how to do that thing right. is so it's nearly impossible. And it takes finding the right people and figuring them out. And meanwhile, having to do the thing, like he's not just teaching the coach how to coach. He's teaching, he's coaching and also doing all the fucking head coach stuff, the weird CEO business they have to do. Uh, uh, So you get it, but don't say that he hasn't improved everything. I don't have have to to like like the asshole. I'm not talking about liking. I'm saying he's like one of the most important people to exist in college football. What? <laughs> Who fucking cares? I was at fucking Domino's, uh, and and my assistants kept getting taken away from me to go run other stores because I was identifying talent and training them up on how to run a store, and then they were gone. Like, well, they're not gonna build me a fucking statue they in front of the goddamn Domino's. They would have made you fucking regional manager. So, yeah, you're basically the same as Nick Saban. So, right. fuck off. All right, but the assholes at Papa John's across the street weren't like, boy, that Bob. <laughs> the industry's going to miss him. They were like, no, fuck Bob. He took half our business. <laughs> they were just jealous. I wonder if uh, if Saban sized uh, future head coaches up faster than you did with uh, your employees. Yeah. That's probably about the same. Anyway, God bless and uh, Godspeed, Nick. Enjoy retirement. 
not the only old geezer to lose his job, uh, although the only one to choose retirement. The NFL also saw uh, Super Bowl winning coaches in the form of Pete Carroll, who won, of course, in Seattle. Uh, He's gone. But uh, more importantly, Bill Belichick after 23 or 24 seasons, something like that in New England is gone and apparently seeking a job elsewhere in the NFL and is interviewed interviewed with the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know what it means to interview Bill Belichick if you're the owner of the Atlanta Falcons. Isn't the interview just, uh, would you like to be the coach for our team? How much money would you like to have in order to be the coach of our team? And then Bill Belichick decides whether or not he wants to be the coach of the The Atlanta Falcons. Saying that it's an interview allows everybody to save face. Like, you know, you don't want the Falcons to say, like, we went groveling and he said no. Just say we had an interview and uh, we went somewhere else. Arthur Arthur Blank's in the press conference announcing some fucking OC from the Minnesota Vikings or something as the new head coach. He's going to be like, yeah, we 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 thought about Bill, but we decided to go in another direction. And this is the direction we decided to go in. It's a contrast between the college coaching, you know, like, oh, someone was on a plane and sources say that they're talking to this guy and – we don't know, and apparently it's contracted. Like, there's all this, like, cloak and dagger stuff, and then the NFL's like, the Falcons are interviewing Bill Belichick. You know, I wonder if, uh, if, if of, of all the available jobs that Bill Belichick can have, like, it seems like Atlanta, like, we don't have, like, a, uh, much of a press where they're, like, harassing you about anything. They just ask you some questions and we'll move on, right? Like, the like if... The Eagles and the Cowboys wanted to move on from their coaches. Like, those are two good teams, and Belichick has only so many years in him. In theory, he's like, I should take one of those two jobs, but, like, would you want to deal with those media types over there in Philly and in Dallas and and Jerry Jones at Dallas? Or the Falcons, they haven't done anything. No one cares about the Falcons. You could just show up. <laughs> you win, like, two two playoff games. You're like, oh, shit, this guy's the greatest thing ever. Like, it seems like it's a... Shoe and there's no quarterback here in Atlanta, so that's a problem. But other than that, easy. although that's his, that's to that's to his preference, it seems most of the time, right? Like he doesn't particularly want a great quarterback. If if he had to choose, he seems to always choose to have not a great quarterback, but, if possible. But he's not he's not going for that. He's just not very good evaluator of the quarterback position. It's not like, I want some shitty quarterback. Where, where at Mac Jones? Like, send him right. my way. He's probably thinking, oh, this weird-looking fella can uh, throw the ball pretty easily, uh, and I'm going to win a lot of games with him, and then it turns out he's not very good. Like, I don't think he's trying so for the, mediocre. The Seattle job seems, and the Atlanta job both seem problematic in that same way, right? Neither has a franchise quarterback at this right. point. The correct answer for the job to take is the San Diego job. I don't know or why. In Las Vegas, yes. I'm sorry, I meant to say Los Angeles, right? Aren't they in LA now? Oh, oh right, sorry. right. In yeah. Los Angeles. I got the Raiders. You're right. I, I these, said, these I said San, Diego. San Diego. I meant, yeah, I meant the Chargers. Yeah. The, correct, the, the correct job to take is the, is the Los Angeles Chargers job. You've got Herbert, who's a perfectly good, maybe developable quarterback who can fucking sling it and maybe makes bad decisions, but, you know, coach him up. And. Right. They're a pretty decent team who hasn't been able to figure it out much in the last couple of years. Plus, you're in San Diego. I keep saying San Diego. <laughs> Plus, you're in 
Los Angeles, Southern uh, California, which is uh, they don't care. Like there's uh, there's like 15 million people there in the right. metro they area. Have like, like four teams. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, there's so many bu- teams. No bunch one will of notice. teams. Brand new stadium. Nobody fucking cares. It'll be great. He's in it just to get the all times win. It's like I think like 15 wins short or 16. Like he can do that in two years. So two playoff runs and he he'll be done. So like we're he can do that anywhere. Yeah, Abe the. Emmys apparently aired last night. Yep. That was a poor choice. Whoever thought it would be wise to schedule against the NFL. I mean, there are other Mondays this month, like next Monday, for instance. I don't think there's a Monday night game. Yeah, that was foolish. Set an all-time low in ratings. Not just the NFL that they were up against, though, of course. There was a little contest in Iowa. Abe, what is your reaction to Donald Trump winning the Iowa Republican caucuses last night? You know what's interesting is, uh, you know, there were over the weekend they're saying, oh, how cold it was going to be, one of the coldest on record, blah blah blah. And I, I assumed that the the turnout would be low, but this is like surprisingly low. And I couldn't tell if it was just just the weather or just a lack of enthusiasm because like Trump is in this weird position where he's like almost the incumbent, but not really, like because there's been a gap of four years. If he were we should the say it's nearly it, not quite half. Like it, it is, a, it was a dramatic reduction. They they collected nearly two hundred thousand votes in twenty sixteen, and only a hundred and ten thousand or so right. in in this year's contest. So maybe the polling that showed it was a nice thirty point spread, and maybe people said that plus the weather, I'm not going to show up, or I don't know what it was. We'll see the rest of the the races down the road, like New Hampshire. South Carolina, Nevada, and on and on to see like what the turnout rates are for this race because Trump, in one way, is an incumbent, and in another way, he's, he's just a, just another candidate. And Trump, the incumbent, this is not very good. You know, you only get barely fifty percent of the vote share when you're the incumbent, uh, so to speak. But if you treat him as a candidate, this was a remarkable success. Right. So that's what's that's what's. It, there's a dual track thing going on here, where both sides are in are are sort of right in a way that is annoying. Yes. Where you can argue that Donald Trump had the single greatest and largest victory in the history of contested Iowa caucuses, right. and you would be correct. But it matters that this is the guy. It has become entirely impossible to be a Republican and not be supportive of Donald Trump, right? And I mean, not impossible, but to support the Republicans at this point, you have to at least be willing to say Donald Trump, though he is like the, the worst you can say is that this guy is not to my personal preference or taste, right. but right. I like what he did and uh, life was better in 2019 than it is now. And would it really be so bad to go back to that time like that has to be you have to at least apologize for donald trump's grossest behaviors and still be willing to ride the trump train with him i think and given that fact the fact that only 50 percent of iowa republicans who came out to vote were willing to put their name down with him strikes me as actually not a tremendous victory for donald trump that the the fact that Half of the people who showed up in the bitter cold on Monday night were willing to say not Donald Trump, even as the entire swath of candidates who remained on the on the list there weren't willing to say Donald Trump has got to go in a meaningful way. Right. Like 
then that's what's arguably most frustrating about a result like last night's for me is we never got a, a version of reality in which a Republican actually challenged Donald Trump in a meaningful way who wasn't fucking Chris Christie who was never going to go anywhere, right? Like at no point did Chris Christie have a plausible path to, to the presidency. And so challenging Donald Trump was a no-cost thing for him in the first place. Whereas Ron DeSantis, who was within striking distance of Trump at this time last year, right. had a plausible path to the presidency or to the nomination at least that – would have required going through Donald Trump, not not campaigning essentially alongside him, and then sort of in the last couple of weeks beginning to say, look, it's time to move on, right? Like, we love everything that Donald Trump did, but he, he worries too much about himself, and let's not talk about Donald Trump so much anymore. Like, no, you, you had to challenge this guy in a full frontal way, and they chose not to do that. And the result is that Donald Trump wins 50% to 20% to 19% over uh, Trump, DeSantis, and then Haley. Uh, Vivek gets like 8% and immediately drops out and endorses Trump. Asa Hutchinson got 191 votes, and he dropped out this morning. Uh, Finally, I don't know why he stuck in as long as he did. Maybe he (laughs) he forgot to drop out. He had a bet with somebody or something. I don't know. (laughs) Over under 200 votes in the Iowa caucuses, and he— did not achieve 200 votes. Wasn't there some random candidate that, that netted some uh, some votes? Ryan Binkley, uh, who is apparently somebody who did in fact run for president, uh, the nomination in Iowa, uh, netted 774 votes or nearly ne- – not quite 1%. He answered God's call from seven years prior. Like, got on it. This was yeah. the year. Uh, the – New Hampshire primary is a week from tonight, uh, and that's like, you know, unlike these gimmicky caucuses. I'm a big fan of gimmicks usually, but I don't like ca- these caucuses. It's c- too goofy. Uh, so next week we'll see. Like, By the, the, way, the uh, real quick, the Republican version of the Iowa caucus is not that goofy. It's not nearly right, as insane as the Democrats' version of it. Right, so there's the process problems that the, the Democratic uh, caucus had last time, but also just— like I said, the 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 Iowa caucus is textbook like the Golden Globes of the award season. It does not offer any clues to the how things will shake out going into the other awards and then finally the Oscar, right? So like if a movie wins anything at the Golden Globes, that didn't tell you anything about the the chances that it will win at the Oscars, just like you know with Cruz and Santorum and other random people well, winning these that, races. So as I argue, as I argued in the morning press this week, that fact is not as true as it has been over the course of the last fifty years. Right since they they started this process in 1972, the first Republican one I think was 1976. It was once the case that and and it pro- provably the case that Iowa was not producing was not selecting people who would go on to win the nomination, generally speaking, and only very rarely in the case of George W. Bush and and Barack Obama, do they hand victory to the eventual president of the United States. Uh, that's, That's true. It has not been a good predictor for what's going to happen moving forward. But as I as I said, as I argued in the in the morning press this week, because everything has become nationalized, the result that we got in Iowa 
is more or less in keeping with the national polls. Uh, Trump got slightly less support than his national Republican figure is, which is right. it's closer to like 65 or 67 percent or something, apparently. Uh, and he only collected 50 percent. But ru- it roughly tracks with where the rest of the Republican Party is at this point. So is that still a criticism that stands? So time will, will prove that it does, right? So basically – we don't have all the facts yet. So, like, next week, the New Hampshire primary, the 538 average of polls has Trump at 43.5%. Haley is at 306 There are some specific polls that have it much closer than that. Basically, Haley's ascending. DeSantis didn't really uh, offer much of a challenge here, but, like, Trump's numbers are well below 50%, right? So, like, just starting, you know, from where we are today, he's at 43 and change. So, like... Will there be a rush towards Haley? Will the Vivek contingent, uh, which there's not many of uh, here in New Hampshire, like where, where do the other extra votes go towards? Like, is there going to be like, hey, DeSantis is dead. Haley is the only viable alternative to Trump. Is there going to be Well, a- no, because that's what's frustrating about this particular result in Iowa, which is that because DeSantis ends up in second place, which feels like a surprise because of the way Haley has been surging and DeSantis has been, has been floundering here in the last little while, that DeSantis gets to declare victory. And Nikki, more or less, declared victory last night as well. She said this, the, the people of Iowa have turned this into a two-person race and <laughs> – she was somehow counting herself as among the two people, but she, despite you, the fact that she finished in third, which was a curious way of sort of ignoring the fact that DeSantis actually beat her last night. The, the Iowa caucus was her biggest challenge among the first three races, right? I mean, she – I mean, again, using the same average of polls, DeSantis is at 5%. So like whatever bump he's going to get out of this – uh, it's not going to be significant. Um, no, and, it won't be significant to him actually competing in New Hampshire, but it right. does allow him to stay in the race. Whereas right, but, okay, there would be pressure is- on – there would be more pressure. If he had only gotten 15 percent of the vote last night and Haley had, had somehow gotten up to like 20, 25 percent and maybe Trump doesn't have – doesn't pull the majority that he pulled, yeah. then there's a there's a strong argument to be made that – the rest of the Republican money would be yelling at Ron DeSantis to get out of the race, right? Right, and but it, but as it stands now, I mean, like the whatever the percentage difference is in Iowa, I think they basically split. You know, they both get four delegates each out of Iowa. Like, it, it, basically, Haley fought DeSantis. It's, it's nine and eight, so DeSantis eight. is so going to get nine, and Haley's going to okay, get eight. There you yeah. go. So yeah, so nine and eight, and so that's a negligible amount, right? So basically, it's almost like a tie, and. New Hampshire commanding lead, like she's going to come in either close to Trump or solidly in second place, right? So like let's say if these numbers hold and Trump wins it with 40-whatever and Haley gets 30-whatever, she'll be on an island as the alternative. And then you have South Carolina, her home state, right? So it's like DeSantis— Which is where where DeSantis went immediately, right? So he's going to attempt apparently— to make some sort of a stand in South like Carolina. Like a Biden? He wants like a Biden moment in South Carolina. Right, which is utterly absurd because whatever non-Trump vote exists in South Carolina, like if you go and look at the 538 on South Carolina right now, it's a strong majority Trump. And Nikki is, I think, hanging in there in the teens somewhere. Like she's not particularly strong in South Carolina. And DeSantis is even is even below that. Right. 
So like there is no path. There's no path for either one of them at this point because they're both still in the race. It's plausible that if either one of them had gotten their asses handed to them last night and dropped out, there's a there's a way to imagine that a non-exogenous event could still allow them to coalesce the non-Trump vote around themselves and and put up a challenge against Trump and at least extend it beyond Super Tuesday. It's hard for me to imagine anyone staying in this race after Super Tuesday at this point because right, Trump's yeah, lead is going to be too strong. It, and it'll be too late at that point. But right now, where the separation can happen and, and it'll be hard for dissenters to continue. Like I said, if... It'll be a miracle if she won New Hampshire, but let's say she comes in a solid second, which is likely at this point, and then she comes again, like, off of that win, she gets into the 20s in South Carolina, right? So she's not beating Trump, right? So you, she, she's got a dominant second in, in New Hampshire, a dominant second in South Carolina, basically a draw in Iowa. What is... DeSantis' argument going forward. Like, I mean, he's basically behind the eight ball already. She's not going to do any more debates. I have no idea, but because I have no idea what the argument was for him. The moment that he decided not to really go up against Trump, I don't know what the argument was in the first place. Like, the the fact that, like, Steve Kornacki had a good thread on Twitter today talking about what we have all noticed ever since these indictments started coming down last February or March or something, right? The the first indictment against Trump was uh, Alvin Bragg in New York, the one that was sort of more questionable. Yeah. But then we had the two Jack Smith ones at the federal level and then also Georgia, uh, Fulton County. Right. But that Alvin Bragg one and, and the fact that that was the first one and is among the, the sort of more obviously political and questionable ones to come through – is what allowed Trump to coalesce support behind him when it had been fading up to that point. And I'll make sure there's a link to his his tweets in the show note. But he can he points to the fact that when that Alvin Bragg indictment came down, that's the inflection point. Whereas DeSantis had been rising to catch up to Trump, Trump rather suddenly spikes. And DeSantis uh, is, begins a downward trend and Trump's uh, trend continues upward. And in that moment, because DeSantis and a lot of the other Republicans were like, uh, this is wrong. The fact that the that President Trump is being indicted in this way and we stand behind President Trump, like the fact that in that moment you didn't take that as an opportunity to distinguish yourself from the Trump candidacy, you lost, right? In that in that moment, you fucking lost and you you then became reliant upon an act of God to get you out of this mess. That act of God being either a uh, prison sentence for the president before November, which is not going to happen in all likelihood, or the courts stepping in and doing something that would cause an enormous amount of social upheaval in this country, or uh, a simple heart attack or, or other, other cardiac event. That's what I'm rooting for. That eliminates the problem. That That's the only way that Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis can become the president in 2025 is if something dramatic happens in terms of Donald Trump's health, whether it's an actual mortality event or his brain just shits the bed and he's he's made plain to be some sort of decrepit old man. Uh, that ship sailed. It's just such a bummer result last night. It is only good for Donald Trump, even though it's not clear to me that he has the stranglehold on the party that we are, are sort of conditioned to believe that he does. It becomes an absolute inevitability 
uh, with last night's result that he's going to be the nominee for the party. Assuming that Iowa's legitimate indicator of anything, uh, time will, will tell. By the way, do, do you think that uh, the, again, weather issues, it was cold, whatever, any chance that we'll see this recurring theme throughout this whole year, including the general election, where the turnout is lower than people think? Like, can you think this is like a big race, blah, 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 but what if New Hampshire comes in lower, South Carolina comes in lower? I wouldn't but- expect that this would be a great – that there would be a great deal of enthusiasm for any of these people because none of them are making a case. I mean Trump is an inevitability, right? He's running as an incumbent. He's running as someone who shouldn't have to deal with all of this pesky uh, nomination process stuff. He's right. not even bothering with the – with the debates, he doesn't make nearly the number of appearances that his rivals do in terms of going from diner to diner or pizza place to pizza place or what have you. Yeah. Uh, he's not pounding the pavement in that way. And by the way, the reaction that he had to his victory last night was to give one of his classic like uh, magnanimous speeches that he reels off whenever he wins something. And I don't know why people are always surprised (laughs) by that, because when he loses, he insists that it was stolen from, like, uh, from a year ago, this caucus, essentially, was the first taste that we got of it, uh, or not a year ago, two cycles ago, in 2016, when he lost the, the caucus to Ted Cruz and finished second in Iowa. He immediately said that it was a fraudulent result, that it was stolen from him. I don't remember the fucking details because they were absurd. And of course it wasn't stolen from him. But he insisted that the uh, Iowa caucus was stolen from him and his supporters and that uh, he was a great victim here. And that that was repeated everywhere that he lost. In every election that he's ever lost, he said, this was stolen from me and stolen from you. And they steal it from me because they hate you. And every time that he's won, he wanders out on stage sort of humbled like in a in a very weird way he walks out like i sort of can't believe i fucking won right you were like that that feeling on uh, in november of 2016 when he walked out on stage having defeated hillary he seemed utterly dazzled like he was just thunderstruck by the fact that he'd just been it was completely inconceivable to him in that moment and in the same way to a lesser extent last night when he walks out he walks out and he just seems so fucking relieved right. and surprised at at it actually happening and it and it, it's endearing in a really weird way in a way that uh, uh it wouldn't be for most people but because he's such an awful monster whenever he doesn't get his way when it actually goes his way and he walks Walks out and he's like, oh, I just love my mother. My what dead abusive my, people are like. My dead mother-in-law was so great. Like that was the, he. He gave a, a lengthy uh, speech last night that included glancing into heaven, pointing to heaven, and talking to and about his recently passed mother-in-law uh, in a way that was very weird. I'll make right. sure there's a link in the show note. But it was very strange, and it's very much not the angry uh, uh, despot that we've come to yeah. come to when expect from him. When you have an him. abusive partner, when they're not being abusive. They're lovely because the alternative is is actual abuse. Right. So also, it's, it's that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the Trump's brand that he wants to project at all times, even before he was a politician, was that of a winner. So 
he's either winning or something underhanded took place. Somebody cheated. Somebody. There's never a scenario where. Right, but when he actually, what I'm saying is, when he yeah. actually wins, he does not act like the 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 football spiking asshole winner that right. we know him to be when he's losing. Right? right, like when he's doing the sales job and he's talking about what a great winner he is, it's total fucking bullshit. Right. It's all an act. Right. But when he actually wins, he's sort of like stunned by it. He's no, stunned into a different too. version that's not, of like, himself. Sincere. That's he's, he's putting it on. Like he's like basking in there. Like oh, I'm like the humble. He's playing the role of like I can't believe like this. You know, this yeah, but it's a weird role to play one. when right. you would think that he would be like fucking Tom Brady about it. Like, yeah, that's right. I won again. That's what happens when I do stuff. It's winning. Right. Like he doesn't act. He like doesn't that. act as though it is the inevitability that it obviously was in this case. Whenever he actually gets a real win, he doesn't act in the way that he acts when he loses. Which is, I mean, that's obvious. But like, uh, it, it's just a, it's just a whole different, strange aspect really, of his I, personality. You're right. I'm surprised. Yeah, I guess I never read it that way because I always felt like the, the the scheme is to pretend like nobody believed in you know just, uh, fucking sports people do the same bullshit even though they're like twenty point favorites. They thought we were going to go eight and four. They win. They're like, it's, oh, it, uh, I think that won. the reason for it. I think that the reason for it is because he's so accustomed to trying to sell the steel right. that it doesn't. It doesn't. It's it's a weird thing to go out and spike the football because really all it is is. Why did the Illuminati let us have it this time? Yeah, right. That's like, right. Why, why did like it, like the thought process to stay consistent with the way that he presents most of the rest of the time would be why didn't it get stolen from us this time? And right. it must just like like and that's the sort of it's it's a very weird well, reaction to that. Well, I think. Well, maybe it's it, maybe to that point. It's like I overcame the cheating. You know, like it's not like it was like a fair and square thing like it was rigged and i overcame even the rigging i'm like wow look at me yeah i hope he dies tonight <laughs> i did not say that um i said that <laughs> as if they were confused the both of us just you know for the record do we think there's any chance that Nikki Haley is the vice president for Donald Trump is that there's been some talk of that here recently um I saw an Eric Erickson tweet, which I don't want to explain Eric Erickson. He's, 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 uh, he sounds like Swedish. He's so. an, he is a WSB Atlanta radio host. Yeah, the local had guy. A, yeah. Right. Local guy down there who's, I think, had a syndicated show in the past. I'm not sure if he still does. I don't know how national Eric Erickson is at this point. Isn't everything national now? Like, everything's a podcast. Everything is available. Yeah, sure. He used to be more of a presence in the talking head cable news and Sunday show panel type thing. I I don't remember seeing him recently. Uh, He's a bit of a dope. But he did a tweet. And it's it's so funny because sometimes these, these pundits, they act as though everything, as though Trump changed nothing, as though... Because he he did this tweet today, and I, I won't bother looking it up, but it's basically like, you know, in 1980, Ronald Reagan reached out to George Herbert Walker Bush uh, in an effort to unite the Republican Party. And and, and he brought his, his greatest rival in to become part of the team that would then transform the American, uh, uh, the great American decade after that. Donald Trump bringing in Nikki Haley. Uh, to to become part of the team would really tran- be be transformative in much the same way. It's like what the fuck? He's gonna pick Carrie Lake or Marjorie Taylor Greene. Right. He's not gonna pick 
uh, Nikki Haley to be his vice president? He's not Ronald Reagan, you fucking fat-faced psychopath. <laughs> what is the matter with you? And, and uh, I mean, back then, it was a different environment, too. Like, Reagan, even though he was, like, a out-there guy, he was still kind of within the the realm of reason. Like, I mean, Trump is very unconventional. Movie star. Uh, and, and, yeah, you're right. I mean, Carrie Lake... Everybody liked him, generally. Carrie Lake is a little bit of a, a wild card, because... Who knows? But like you know, like like a Christy Nome or somebody like that, or even a a defeated uh, DeSantis, you know, like a Trump DeSantis kind of ticket. Like there's no scenario where Haley's going to be in it. Thing. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like what does she bring to the table that he can't get elsewhere, right? And so, right. But that's why it's going to be somebody like I think it's more likely to be like Carrie Lake because he's not going to go the uh, Mike Pence route again, right? I don't think he's right. going to make that. That he mistake. Didn't need, he didn't need Pence anymore, right? He he has commandeered Pence's base, right? Like, I mean, he basically, like, he needed Pence to say, hey, I'm, like, one of you weirdo religious types, right? And then, like, all the religious people were like, oh, okay, that works. And then now they rejected Pence, the, the in-between, and it's just Trump, right? So he doesn't need a Pence type. All of that old-school, like, geographic balance or electoral balance, I don't think any of that applies, right? I mean, like... He he would easily go for somebody like DeSantis, uh, even though he doesn't bring Florida to him. He already has Florida, right? Florida's right, that's the thing. Stay, Florida's right. locked down. It right. would make sense. It would make sense to find a Georgia politician. It would make sense to find a Pennsylvania politician. Herschel Walker, right? <laughs> I don't know about Herschel. Herschel <laughs> can't win in Georgia, as evidenced by the fact <laughs> that he's not in the Senate right now. But like, there are a half a dozen swing states that will be meaningful in Ohio. But do you think that that's what he's going to go Michigan. with? And that's why you're saying that Carrie Lake, like Arizona is going to be in play. It's going to be a purple kind right, of. Arizona's in play. Carrie Lake is already a Trump guy. Uh, Girl, like I, I can see, yeah, I can see Carrie Lake making a great deal of sense. I don't see Nikki Haley making any sense. You don't find he wouldn't pick someone with any. He's he's not going to accept any pushback from anyone. Right. Like he can't like Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, you could see not just saying, All right, boss, whatever right, you say right. goes. Also, there's not like a he's chance going that, to pick a yes person. There's not a chance be, that either one of them I don't think either one of them would take the they job anyway. Do it. Right. But also but they, like he's not going to pick someone who's going to do anything but just agree with him all the time. But that's the the weird thing about this uh potential second term is that He's burned through all of the resistance in his side, right? So basically yeah. the people he's going to pick now are going to be this frictionless just t- toadies who are just exactly. going to say whatever. Like so if, like whatever ideas that were stopped because somebody responsible was like, uh, I don't think that's a good idea. Like those people are already done. I mean they already wrote their book. You know, I did nothing and here's a book about it, you know. So now all that's left are just these people who are just going to say whatever he wants. So yeah, the VP will be somebody who will – whatever he says goes. And I assume that you think that this is all decided before the convention, that th- this will not go to no. convention. No, because, I mean, like the – like what's weird is, you know, like uh, last year this time, like Biden was eating shit. Like you were like fourth or fifth place in Iowa, fourth or fifth place in New Hampshire. Like nothing was going for him. Like no one really was excited about him. I mean they're still not. But like – and but like there was the – this idea like, hey, we can't all split the moderate vote. Let's – you know – Buttigieg and uh, Klobuchar and all of you get out of the way and let it be a Biden uh, coalescing around the the moderates and then Bernie and his uh, 
progressive didn't uh, Bernie vote. Win, win Iowa or something? Yeah, yeah, the early, yeah, but the first two, but like they didn't do anything until South Carolina, and then with yeah. South Carolina, they uh, Biden won uh, Super Tuesday, but like. And because of like that, that, because of that, the Democratic Party is going to survive long term, and the Republican Party is going to fracture and and be remade into something new. Right, right. Like the, we're, Unless, we're witnessing the inevitable end to. I mean, and it happens, right? Uh, in American yeah, but you history, said it was going to happen four years ago. I know. Eight years I, ago, I'm not and saying that. I'm not saying I can put a finger on it exactly. But the this is not a Donald Trump is not a survivable event well, for the Republican hurry Party. Up and fracture. And unless they. DeSantis and Haley, or, you know, DeSantis says to Haley, like, I lost, you know, if it plays out the way we think, like, he's going to lose New Hampshire, he's going to come in distant third in New Hampshire, distant third in South Carolina, to say, I'm going to get out of the way, if you can coalesce, because, I mean, there's a good chance, like, 60 to 70% of DeSantis's votes are just going to go to Trump, right? So it's not like... Oh, absolutely. Right? Yes. So it's like, it's gonna, they're going to... So, and then, then it'll be a moot point, but at least they will have tried the gambit, and they may think like it's not worth to show our hand to get the ridicule from the Trump base to do something that's not going to work, right? So like if they if they conclude like Haley's camp that even if DeSantis got out of the way, we have no chance that we're going to get all of those votes, uh, then where do you stand? What is the point of this exercise? Well, again, it's to hope to be the one standing when he croaks or yeah. when when some other event makes him – Un- unavailable to become the next president of the United States, right? Like that's the idea, and that's it's just such a shitty way of attempting to take power. It could uh, be happening right now. He could be having a stroke right this moment. I'd be uh, fun though, like if you had like a constitutional kind of like convention thing, where like instead of just being like a performative kind of week long event, they will actually be choosing the the president uh, presidential candidate on the Republican side if that happened. But it's not. Yeah, it's not happening. Uh, we again, we won't do a prediction show this week because uh, I'm bad at that. But because it's ten twenty three. Yeah, yeah. I don't see how we get out of twenty twenty four. And maybe this is just uh, I've been reading too much news, and I don't know if anybody noticed, but the news globally, especially, is a fucking mess right now. <laughs> like the the Middle East is real bad. Right. Uh, the Far East is is real bad. The shit in Europe is yeah, Europe's bad. It's pretty bad, right. and then the shit here is pretty bad. South America's uh, not great. Yeah, I don't. I don't read a lot of news out of South America, so I don't know. I haven't racist, haven't turned my morning press focus onto the uh, global South at this point. But everything everything's pretty bad uh, right now, and sort of getting worse in obvious ways. And everybody in the press talks about it in terms of there's some concern that this could boil over into greater conflict. And right. it's like ah, no, it's already it's already happened, <laughs> right? Is, yeah. like, the thing that is bad is going on now, and it's just getting it's just getting worse, and it's not going to get better. And also, there are psychopaths on Twitter and demonstrating on the streets of New York City uh, in favor of the Houthis because we have such a poor understanding of of who people are in the world that American leftists are excited about the Houthis. Wait, is that for real? Are you just making that up? No, that's real. The Houthis, the ones that are like uh, dropping like weapon, uh, they're they're attacking like just sh- regular ships, co- commercial ships. 
They're for and that. They're fighting the good fight against global capitalism and colonialism. I feel like I could do that sometimes. Aren't they like in a uh, country that's into that? Didn't they bring back slavery in their country? Yes, Abe. In fact, that was the Houthis who brought back slavery. And I, I saw uh, a lengthy, like, thousand-word defense uh, uh, because of colonialism and global capitalism of why it's good, actually, or at least understandable that the Houthis have brought back slavery. That's what I read on Twitter a couple days ago. So that's what's going on in the world. It's all very bad. I only put it that way because I am increasingly convinced that we're not going to get out of 2024 Alive. with not necessarily <laughs> uh, a and a big, awful black swan event, as they say in, in when they talk about these things in terms of like global terror or something. Although there will be plenty of opportunity for that in, in Paris this upcoming summer with the Olympics yeah, happening. Yeah, man, I don't trust this Olympics. There's a backup of over 2 million cases, immigration cases in the American judicial system now. Uh, and and hundreds of thousands of people just continuing to come into the country. So uh, who knows what's going to happen with that stuff. So so even putting aside whether or not something utterly unpredictable and awful happens this year, uh, which uh, is plausible. Uh, yeah. I believe that it could happen. Uh, hopefully it won't. How do we get out of 2024 without significant political violence in the streets? Because every single best or worst scenario – with what is going to happen on the 5th of November, I think it's the 5th this year, uh, the, the, the Tuesday in November, is going to cause a, a great deal of unpleasantness for whoever doesn't win, right? Like, given what we saw on January 6th of 2021, I saw somebody online over the weekend say, yeah, but surely, like, Trump can't, he's not going to do it again, like he's not going to call for a giant rally. <laughs> what and, and, do I need to do the George W. Bush quote again? Because I will. <laughs> and then violence in the streets. Because he's already played that card, right? Like as though somehow that's no longer in the deck any longer. Is it saying um, in Tennessee? We have it in Texas. I'm sure you have it in Tennessee. Yeah. Fool me once. Shame on. Shame on you. Fool me. You don't get fooled again. <laughs> How do we escape what seems to me to be increasingly inevitable, which is that if Donald Trump loses, he's not going to just accept the results. He's never accepted the results of a, of a lost election. He's always said that it was a fraud and that they stole it from you and that you need to fight like hell to take it back from them. That is what he's going to say. And I don't know why people would be less inclined this time around. It's not clear to me that uh, the prosecutions that have happened against the poor, wretched hostages of January 6th, as Donald Trump and Elise Stefanik and, and Vivek Ramaswamy have been describing them lately, is that they're calling the January, January 6th people hostages. At the same time, by the way, that there are actual American citizens still being held hostage by Hamas in Gaza, and I get, it seems perfectly fine to them to compare the people who are in jail to, to those people, which is uh, its own sort of infamy, its own disgusting – whatever. It doesn't matter. And if, if Donald Trump wins, which I know it's, it seems impossible, right? Like it, 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 
how could we possibly reelect this guy? <laughs> but it's a it's a very small thing that has to happen, which is like a few thousand votes right. in three or four states. And it's that's just what it is, right? Like it is a perfectly plausible thing to happen. Oddly, uh, pop quiz hotshot, name the only major prominent American politician who has a chance to become president who has a positive uh, rating in the approval polls right now, who's not underwater in terms of his approval versus disapproval, man or woman. Dean Phillips? It is Kennedy. It is the son of Robert Kennedy. The quack? The quack psychopath who believes that his own father wasn't killed in the way that everyone else believes he was killed. He has a uh, he has stronger positives than he does negatives. He's the only major American political figure not currently underwater and is polling at maybe 10% or whatever uh, and is going to be on the ballot in a bunch of states. Like it is perfectly plausible that Donald Trump becomes the next president of the United States, whether it's uh, by virtue of the Electoral College or by virtue of the fact that the Congress goes ahead and installs him because there won't be a majority uh, of 270 in the Electoral College, whatever. If you think it's impossible, I think you're out of your goddamn mind, right? It's perfectly plausible. I don't think anyone thinks it's impossible. There are people who think that it's just not going to happen. Thinking it's not going to happen and thinking it's impossible are different things. There's an argument to be made that the entire Democratic political establishment thinks it's impossible that Donald Trump is going to win in November, which is why they seem perfectly content to wheel that old, decrepit man out every couple of weeks to pretend like he's capable of leading this country for the next five years, which is a, a demonstrable lie, which it's just a ridiculous thing to imagine he's going to be capable of. And and they're going to deliver to us, potentially, Donald Trump as the next president. That's not going to be good for uh, the body politic. It's, it's not going to be good for uh, the, the, the safety of the streets of the United States. I don't see how in either event, whether it's a Biden reelect or a Trump re-election that we don't end up with violence in the streets, that we don't have yeah, massive political violence, violence in this country. In the streets, though, I just remember there always being violence. But you know, some... like, a- a- after election, I mean, other than January 6th, there really hasn't been any violence. Like, I think this is just oh, an internet a, thing. A w, when W was elected. No, because that was dragged out for, like, 40 days, and it was, like, the Brooks Brothers, uh, they were fighting, but it wasn't, like, when on election. When he was inaugurated, maybe? No, but not on the level. I'm talking about something that goes beyond what we saw on January 6th. And, and, and like, there will, like, like blood in the streets in the way that there was on January Like, nothing like what you saw when George W. Bush was elected. Like, shit from the, from before our time, right? Shit that we have not seen in yeah, this country. Yeah, none of that is going to happen. That's just internet nonsense. There, there's no well, chance that that's going to happen. They'll be ready. There's no They'll chance. They'll have martial law ready to go. First of all, I mean, we, we've ha- I mean, uh, Trump wasn't directly on the ballot, but MAGA candidates endorsed by Trump ran in twenty two when it was supposed to be their year, and they lost, and nobody, people just moved on. Like, if Trump loses, people are just going to move on. If Trump wins, there's going to be like you know some uh, protests, you know, like resist or if whatever. Trump part loses, two. he's going to run for president in twenty twenty eight, and he will spend the next four years insisting that it was stolen from him. Again, I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely going to happen, but there's not going right, to be so, any but violence. Why wouldn't he? Why would? He, why would he play? Not play the same hand again. This is the thing that I'm not understanding. No, the, why the the, insi- the the hand that he's playing is just to 
keep up with the brand of winning. Like, it just solves that question. He doesn't care about anything else. He just wants to project that he's a winner. If he loses this November, he'll continue to project that he's a winner. People are going to have their misgivings, but people are going to move on. Which led, to blood, which led to blood on the streets last time. And I don't know why we would expect it to be better this time. That's the thing that I'm not understanding. Because like, that was we, January We know 6th. what happens when he loses a presidential election and it's bad. It, maybe you can say it wasn't that bad because it only lasted a few hours and it was localized no, who's to the, that, the Capitol is, building. But that's entirely different. I don't understand. You're, you're saying that as a result of the election – there's going to be some sort of violence. There wasn't like that last time. I mean, that, that Saturday of the, the November where all the people were celebrating when they finally called it, there wasn't any violence the other way. People were just kind of doing Disney whatever. World. And then that was that. And then like online, there was all this ginning up where there was like this false perception that was being uh, promoted that there was opportunity for uh, Pence to do something about it, which there wasn't. But that was the impression that was left to say, hey, let's all meet up on the day where the, it's decided in January and let's do something. There's not going to be that sort of focal point because Kamala Harris is the vice president. And they also codified into law that it's just a ceremonial position going forward. Uh, it should have always been that. But like the opportunities for violence, I don't see. The one thing I would say just to clean everything up, just so we don't have to wait until Saturday this year is to, like I said the last time, you know, the, the pandemic is over. There's going to be mail-in options for people. that They need to submit those mail-in things two weeks in advance so that they're ready to count. You need to give confidence yeah, those, to everyone. That's still something that hasn't been solved for, right? right? Like but they, that needs most to be states, fixed. Most because, states still have not implemented, we're going to count the mail ballots ahead of time so that we don't have this weird dump situation right. uh, where, where various parties can claim that things are being manipulated or stolen from them. That has not actually been solved. That doesn't right? need to be solved because far too many people are cavalier about like, hey, we'll count them and however it comes out, it'll come out. Like You don't want to give the impression where – Pennsylvania and Michigan, I think, was fine. Like, but Pennsylvania was like a, a problem where it took so long to count that you didn't get a decision until Friday or Saturday, right? You want to be able to like by Here's Wednesday morning right. to know. So, so you're you're poo-pooing the idea that there could be uh, violence from the MAGA types in the yeah. event of a 0%. Trump loss. I disagree because I don't understand what would be different this time around. I I would expect a similar rhetoric to what Trump unleashed following. The election in November of 2020, we would we would see again this time, and I, mean, I, I don't know what the organizing principle will be. I don't know that there. I, I agree with you. January 6th as an organizing principle would not make sense in the same way that it sort of made perverse sense last time around. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's a, that there's a, no way to imagine an organizing well, principle but, being created. You have now where the. Oh, I'm getting tired. The people who are in charge of security at places, intelligence, the intelligence people are now taking more seriously the MAGA types. So right. if they see Twitter, not Twitter, but All right, you know, fine. Whisper- I'm granting I'm granting that they won't come from that end. If Trump wins, though, we've got leftists in the streets chanting for the Houthis and, and being in favor of Hamas. If, right? if, yeah. If if that faction, uh, if, if Trump does win, that faction will have no ground to stand on because it's likely going to be their doing, right? Like, because isn't the current posture that, like, fuck both of them, like, fuck Biden, fuck Trump, right? So, like, if they sit out, 
And then they see right, that we're, we're already living under fascism because Biden's a fascist right. is and the then, line. And right. then the fascism happens. You can't be like, oh, my God, I can't believe You'll this happened. You'll have your normal Antifa people. Right. Yeah, and I also- just, I, it's very optimistic, and, I, and maybe I'm being hysterical, but I just – I don't see how, given the current situation, we escape 2024 without significant political violence on the streets. The, uh, I, just, I think it's an inevitability. The January 6th, uh, there's been a handful of people that have been sentenced, and, and despite the – the empty gesture that Trump is uh, giving them now, he he left them to themselves, right, to fend for themselves. Like they didn't get any support when they rounded up all the people they could from all the footage of January 6th. So like that is going to also serve as a deterrent. They're going to beef up security more so than they have in the past. I think the chances of any sort of violence in the streets is just like a totally made up thing for Internet fodder. It's just totally bullshit. No chance. Right. I hope so. I, I certainly hope so. Abe's optimistic as usual. We are going – We're go, the problem is that the rhetoric on both sides is going to insist that this is an existential battle for the soul and future of the country. That is the way that it's being framed by Joe Biden already. It's right. the way that Donald Trump has framed it since day one basically. Um that they're they're stealing they're your they're stealing your country and you have to fight like hell to get it back. I don't think that's the sort of thing that most people are just like, oh, well, I guess I'll just go scroll Facebook instead because uh, we lost our country, but at least we've still got this sweet social media. Yeah. I've got to play something here, Abe. I, uh, last year, we got a voicemail from Jimmy right there at the start of the year. <laughs> uh, it took around. a little longer this year, and we haven't done our prediction show yet. Uh, I'm sure that we'll get there eventually, but this came in to the old uh, voicemail box of, of Cast Iron Brains, so we need to play that. Hello there, my good friends at Cast Iron Brains. It's a beautiful day here in Plains, and I just wanted to wish you all a wonderful new year. 2024, my goodness gracious, if I recall, Abe, you sick son of a bitch, you didn't think I would make it through the year again. But God did, Abe, you didn't believe. But God did. My kindly nurse here tells me that former President Trump won an hour last night. And the Bucks beat the Eagles. It just tickles me pink. In case you thought I recorded this a while back. Abe, I understand you're retired from gambling. But how about a little wager with the old peanut farmer? I reckon I'm going to outlive one of those sons of bitches. Whether it's Trump or Biden, I'm not sure. If I make it to July 4th, I want you to give up your precious sweet potatoes for six months. If I die before then, I'll talk to Jesus Christ personally about letting you... A top five Muslim into heaven when you pass. What do you think? Is it a bet? Either way, it's nice to talk to you again. My old friend, I just wish you would stop wishing me dead. And remember, all the legislation in the world can't fix what's wrong with America. But you know what couldn't hurt? A subscription to this fine podcast, available at brainon.substack.com. God bless you, ma'am. And God bless America. And God bless cast iron brains. And long may reign the brain on international media empire. Also, the Biffler sucks. <laughs> he sounds amazing. Oh, my God. Is this what has been sustaining him all this time? He's like listening. He, he must listen to every episode. He has so oh. much information. Apparently, he listens to both this podcast <laughs> and the Biffler. <laughs> oh, he sounds great. He, he sounds, sounds, he sounds 10 years younger I than know. he sounded yeah. last year. <laughs> I mean, maybe like 20 years younger, honestly. Abe, are you calling once again this year for uh, Jimmy Carter's death? Is, so, that, is that a 
I think uh, the president got something wrong. I'm not wishing anything. I don't understand why people think I'm wishing <laughs> it to happen. I'm just saying, Setting. statistically speaking, it's bound to happen. He's in a stoppage time of life. And any time, the whistle can be whistled. And I, I thought it was going to happen like a year and a half ago. And here he is, at, still hanging around. At any moment, it could happen. He wants to bet you. He, he's setting July 4th. He's drawing a line in the sand at July 4th. Uh, as uh, Laurie alluded to earlier with the Bush quote, I, I've been fooled plenty of times. I'm going to uh, uh, withdraw any further. Like, what was it? He's not going to make it past December? Was the last wrong thing Abe? I said? Abe knows. I, I've learned. Don't fool him again. I think... I think Jimmy Carter is declared the winner. That's right. Yes. Like I, he, we didn't realize that he was in a contest, but he defeated you. He's, yes, I withdraw. I concede Carter. this bet. Right, let's play the Billboard Hot 100 game. Welcome to Billboard Hot 100. We may be going to do Strassman, but we'll save it. He went to uh, he went to Green Bay and hung out with the Cheeseheads there in the parking lot, and. It was a little too lovey-dovey of the the whole Green Bay fan situation for my taste. Although, I do appreciate uh, Jordan Love and the Packers for taking the Cowboys out of the playoffs. I am I am grateful for that. What but was the angle? To... So, like, I mean, the the the, the Cowboys hosted. No, you're their... not gonna oh, fool me no, no, into no, no, giving no. a recap of Strassman here. You have it here, recorded Abe. on your <laughs> own TV. <laughs> you're there. welcome to go. I'm catch like a up. few weeks away from like this week. Come on. All right, I have rolled the dice. We are going to. Song number 87 on the Billboard Hot 100. Ooh, deep. And the year is number 27 on our Whoa. list. Uh, I don't even know what that would be. What is that going to be? 2008 we or something? 2009, something like that. We had, uh, yeah, we, the early December episode, we had 2009 also. Yeah, so it's going to be 2009. Uh, but first we need to explore this week's Billboard Hot 100. Still got Jack Harlow up there and Taylor Swift at number two, although maybe we're a day behind because of the MLK holiday. Maybe they didn't update for the week. I don't know. It doesn't matter. This is what it says on the Billboard Hot 100 website. Scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, we get to number 87 is a Taylor Swift song. No way. It's a song called Now That We Don't Talk, Taylor's Version. It's a re-entry into the yeah, chart. I'm seeing. It is peak position number two all time, but it was not on the charts last week. It was week. 2014. This is a song from 2014. So, okay. So this doesn't count. Yeah, because basically then it will be a 2014 versus a 2009 song. It's like five years apart. Yes. I'm fairly confident that this Taylor Swift song uh, won't be great, though. So It's just the point is that on the charts for this year should not be a song from 2014 if the songs from this year were worth any shits. Don't tell Taylor that she can't reclaim no, no, no. her identity. I'm not telling her, and her music. anything. I do not care. Why is this song going to a half party. Very I short. heard from everybody. You part the crowd like the Red Sea. Don't even get me started. Did you get anxious though? Lives on. I miss 
hater or what have you. Yeah. I I'm so thoroughly mystified by why she's a fucking billionaire. This is a bad like example. I, I sincerely this... I sincerely don't get it. Like she's it's fine, but it's, it's fine. so nothing. I just don't get it. Why has she become the focal point of the entire culture? I I'll never understand. This is a terrible uh song uh to represent why she's popular. Like she's got a lot of poppy songs. Like that's and I'll whatever all the albums that she's had this seems like it was like literally like ripped from like a diary like it was a very low effort like this is what i wrote on the january 16th entry and she turned it into a song but at least the other ones have a little more a little more production i don't know i mean whatever the the answer to why is she so massive is because she is so massive like it just it became a snowball it's not the songs obviously it's the whole thing I guess. All right. So we are looking for the middle of January of 2009. It was uh, the 16th was a Friday. So we'll just go with the 11th. The 11th through the 17th is the Billboard Hot 100 list we'll be looking for. The number one song, which, again, to be clear, is not the song we're looking for. But the number one song was a Lady Gaga song featuring... Colby O'Donis. It was called Just Dance. I'm sure you'd remember oh, that one. That was the first one. As I do. That was the first. No. Poker Face was her first one, wasn't no. it? No. It, not for me. The first Lady Gaga song I heard was Just Dance, and I thought it was a man singing. And then I thought it was Marilyn Manson when I found out what Lady Gaga looked like, and then I found out it wasn't Marilyn Manson, so I was sad. Holy shit. Well, there you have it. There's there's Taylor, Taylor Swift, Swift in at number everywhere. four. She's just everywhere. Uh, Beyonce, Kanye, Katy Perry, Britney Spears, more Kanye, more Beyonce, Nickelback, classic 2009 run oh, here. Demi Lovato, well, T.I. Yeah, this is when I was bartend. This is the barcode playlist I'm looking at right now. The Offspring... Pitbull is another Fuck yes. No, another strong contender for what's wrong with music today. <laughs> You're so bad at things. All right. Number 87 is a song called I Don't Care by Uh-oh. Apocalyptica featuring Adam Gontier or something. Oh, is this that song where they yell I don't care? I don't know. We're going to find out though. Not a lot of uh, memorable songs all the way down. Oh, Lifehouse hit number 88. At least we avoided that. Bob's favorite. That's not true. There, he there's Poker Face Lifehouse. at number 83 as well. And Three Doors Down. Although, Lori appears to be right because Poker Face at this point had only been up to number 81. So. You think I'm wrong about something I remember? Really? Been on the charts for three weeks. So that's a recent entry. All right. We appear to have... Got three dudes with large stringed instruments. Is that a cello? This guy. Oh, these guys look afflicted. They've got some bad facial hair. (laughs) Afflicted cellists would be a tremendous name for a weird cover band. Here for a minute. Let's give it a second here. Which one is Adam? 
just part of it. They're all Adam. If you were dead or still alive, I don't care. I don't care. Just go and leave this all behind. I am embarrassed. I swear, I swear, I don't care. That guy with the one strip of facial hair on the chin is I know that guy I knew him in 2009 this is awful Abe weren't you a big fan of uh, Evanescence yes. didn't you like that Evanescence this has got a, a yeah, Evanescence rip off feel to it awful new metal stuff it's awful it reminds me actually a lot of Three Doors Down and Lifehouse your favorite bands it is it's uh, it's a slightly more afflicted and gothy version of Lifehouse and Three Doors Down. That's a pretty that good Taylor call. Swift song. A little evanescency. Uh, doesn't count because it's from 2014. Yeah, but holy is, shit is that better. This doesn't count, but yes, I would I would rather listen to that Taylor Swift song again <laughs> and be mystified by her ongoing cultural dominance than ever have to listen to Apocalyptica featuring that Adam fella. I'm not in uh, I mean I hope they don't listen time. to the show. It was more of a, a closer to a draw for me because I did not like the Taylor Swift song. But yeah, I, I'll I'll probably go with her just just so we can move on. But like, I did not care for that song of hers. <laughs> just so we can move on. <laughs> Abe does not want to go into want to go a to, long defense. I don't want to go to overtime of, and listen to late two thousands new metal. Uh, <laughs> And in fact, has already pulled up the Evanescence album on his uh, YouTube music device so that he can uh, lull himself to sleep tonight. Uh, I snuck some Evanescence into the show last week. If anybody listened to it, I did a, a three and a half minutes long almost uh, sm super smash cut of various artists singing uh, Save Me, Somebody Save Me, because uh, that was part of the lyrics in last week's song so uh eventually you'll yes. catch up to that abe i presume yes. sometime at Did the you put queen in there and yes queen is in there so that was the fun part was imagining the listener listening to it because everybody is going to have in their heads some save me song that they remember that they're going to be like is this is there going to be in here and by the way it's like uh, I barely scratched the surface of the available Save Me lyrics that are out there in the world. And and still, this was like three and a half minutes and like 30 different songs. It was fun. So go listen to that if you haven't yet. I don't know how you made it to this point in this episode without also uh, uh, getting through. I don't listen to the No, episodes. I know, I know. But so thanks for letting me know. Anyway, uh, Taylor Swift triumphs again. How many times has she been in this goddamn uh, game? It's a, it's a few everywhere, times. Yeah. Maybe that's how she's so successful. Just keep churning out that's music. Right. Just pro just in content, fact, keep content, churning content. out the same music over and yeah. over again, and it's going to be fine. You could learn a thing or two. Look, I am a tremendous content producer at this point. I'm doing nothing but making yeah, but content. You put it out. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show over on our Substack, brainiron.substack.com, where we have achieved another subscriber. My old man has signed Look up as a founding that. member of the Substack. <laughs> Great job, Pops. We appreciate it. Alerted us to the um, massive oversight of downloadable content as well. Yes, I got a text from my father on Sunday morning, sitting there watching the news, reading the paper, and it said, 
episodes five, six, and seven don't have the download button on the website. And I said, why are you trying to download episodes of this podcast from like May of 2020? That seems like a real psycho move, Pops. Uh, and he responded uh, with one word and an exclamation point, And the one word was archive. And then the exclamation point. So... Uh, Breaking news, uh, the Falcons have interviewed Harbaugh as wow, well. Wow, look at that, getting the old geezers. There's no way Jim Harbaugh takes the Atlanta Falcons football job. That doesn't make you any sense at first. all. There's no way that happens. Brainiron.substack.com. Uh, join the fun over there. Uh, the morning press is cooking, Abe. I will once again give you an opportunity to object to any of the awful things uh, that I may have said on the morning press. You have three seconds. No, it's... Perfectly fine. I object to things. What do you object to, lady? Don't fucking lie and say it's under 11 minutes when it's not under 11 minutes. I have, You're a fucking liar. I have adjusted the it, claim bullshit. at the, the start of the show. The claim is from the beginning of the show, and it is in perpetuity. All right. As soon as you uh, start, as soon as you become a paying subscriber to the to the I show. I am a paying subscriber. I will listen to your comments. I pay for all of it. it, it for some uh, reason. Eleven minutes or so, or so. of the Doing news of, of the day is the, the new so. claim. Uh, the the so gets the so gets me from nine minutes all the way up to like seventeen from time to time, depending on uh, how easily the words are coming that particular day. Uh, so yeah, the uh, morning press minutes after so. the election is going to be like three hours. <laughs> the so is going to be. <laughs> Uh, you seemed like you were going to raise some sort of an objection so, or comment. This is uh, not uh, anyone's failing other than my podcast app, but like I will get the email about the podcast, the morning press episode, and I will read a bit of it, you know, because there's a transcript right there just to see the topics. And then I'm thinking within the hour, the actual podcast will show up. Today, it, it, it was like six hour gap. I don't know what's going on. Like there's a big gap between email going out and then me being able to listen to. The episode. Fun fact about that today is that I, while I uploaded it correctly to the Substack, I went through the whole process on the website, which is what uh, spits things out via RSS feed to all of the various podcast catchers out there. And uh, when I did that, I put the podcast episode up there. I, I, I did all of the show notes stuff. I gave it a name and a, a title and the and the the length. And I said that there's no bad words in it. And I clicked all the right buttons. Uh, the one thing that I forgot was I forgot to include the MP3 of the the actual podcast, oh. right? I did all of the work, but, but none of the audio was attached to it, and I didn't realize that until some many hours later. And then I went back and uploaded the the audio to it. So, uh, But that's, that's the sort of mistake that won't bother you if you become a, a subscriber at the Substack where the, the audio will always uh-huh. be there and this sort of I mistake won't happen. Also, you can check out Mark Gillig, who composed our opening and closing themes at tetramermusic.com, T-E-T-R-A-M-E-R music.com. We were the proud recipients of a save the date for Mark's wedding. I wouldn't, what if there are people who aren't invited? Yeah, sorry. Jerry's probably not <laughs> going to get the invite, so uh, sorry. Well, he doesn't get things that I send him. I don't think that Mark sent out the save the date to Jerry on Instagram. He probably used the United States Postal Service, but uh, who knows? Uh, so yeah, apologies if, like you know, Corey, if for some reason you were expecting to get an invite 
to our show composer's uh, wedding. To be fair, Corey didn't come to our wedding either because he wasn't invited because no one was. Because no one was, yeah. Anyway, we'll be doing that in October. That should be fun. Uh, Very happy for the lovely couple. Apparently we're like definitely doing this. I think we're going, right? It's on Kate. It's on our daughter's oh, birthday. Yeah, it's a bad timing. It's, a bad... Uh, it's like our daughter's birthday, but like whatever, ten, she'll ten be fine. Birthday. Oh, double she, digits. She'll have a she'll have a lot of she'll those. She'll have right? something to hold over us forever. <laughs> As though that awful child was going to need something, was going to need to She's invent awful. something uh, for us that we did wrong. Uh, anyway, Abe, she'll did you? It. Did you make it to the movies this week? Yes, I uh, went to I watched two movies uh, this week, not particularly good ones, and uh, one TV show. I watched uh, Mean Girls, uh, which is a nice. musical with a lot of music uh, in this. So the most accurate way to put it is that this movie, 2024 release, is a is an adaptation of a musical, which is an adaptation of a movie, right? So like. Yes. The 2004 movie was the original movie. Then they did like written, some, written by Tina, Tina Fey. Fey right? Great movie. Great movie. Uh, then they do a musical that I did not know about until I went to watch this. They did a Broadway musical. Yeah. And then now well reviewed. And now this is a movie about that musical. So it's like one once removed, and it kind of worked. Yes. And and in some parts, I was like, can we just talk through this scene? Like we don't have to like do a song <laughs> dance every time. I mean, they open with a number. Then they go to the high school, you know. So there's like some t- parts where it worked, but other times, like just dialogue would work here. We don't need to sing your feelings, yeah. you know. But I think like if you're into musicals, you would like it. Like it's, it's. Uh, I thought it was a, uh, even though like Wonka is doing amazing, it's got some great legs. I thought it was gonna not do so well box office wise, but that movie is doing great. Like I think they're over 500 million overall. Uh, I think that. This one was a little bit better than than Wonka, but I did I did not like Wonka at all. A little too earnest. The the one thing is that like if you're like it is not just like a song or two. There's it's like it's like twelve thirteen. Okay. Tri- it's like a my understanding song. is that uh, they didn't market it right in such a fashion that that this was going to be very heavy on the musical end of things because they're afraid that people just won't show up. I for mean musicals. that that has been the recurring thing with like the color purple. I mean there was some musical stuff you saw in the trailer, but they, they did the, the same thing. With mean Girls. If you look at the Mean Girls like poster, like there's like a musical note in like next to A, and they're like that's our indication that this is a musical, which is interesting uh but yeah like it's it's a musical musical there was like some social media clips where people are like upset at the fact that it was a musical but like i mean come on i wish that that were the biggest problem yeah, in my life <laughs> uh the other movie was uh, uh uh jason statham's uh the beekeeper this is uh ah the beekeeper if you think of jason statham and like these action movies like just imagine that that's what this is you know there's not like <laughs> Nothing new. It's exactly what you think. The only wrinkle that they added to it is that, you know, uh, Jason Statham and, and The Rock and Vin Diesel, they must have something in their contract stipulating that in this made-up fight in this movie, like, they can be bested. Like, they have to be the ones winning. Uh, right. Statham took it one step further. I mean, there's no other big names. It's him and just a bunch of randoms. Um He's going up against like SEAL Team Six level uh, people. Uh, the FBI's like best whatever unit, the Secret Service, and he's mowing through them. Like I've never seen a movie where for like ninety five percent of the movie, he is not touched once. There's like ten of them, and he's beating all of them up. Not one 
just lucky punch or like kick, not one. Like there was like right. one push. It's like 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 Jason Bourne against a bunch of fifth graders or yeah, something. Like, <laughs> yes, and even then, like I'm sure Jason Bourne, like this is unreasonable. I'm sure one of the some snot nosed kids probably gets one on me. You know, like in this one, right. they did. I was like, this is so ridiculous. I've never seen this movie, a movie like this. And then they saved it for like the final, some random Australian big guy with tattoos. He started like actually beating him up. I was like, holy shit. Like, oh, they, that was like a nice little trick they did. Cause like, I was like, oh, you had another bullshit fight. I can't wait until this movie's right. over. And then you get stabbed. And I was like, oh, look at this. Things have turned. It was like the cowboy season. Like, all of a sudden, just like, oh, wow, they suck. All of a sudden, isn't the isn't the plot of this movie basically that like the deep state is real and yes, there is like this this group the the beekeepers who are outside of all the government agencies and they step in when everything else fails and and so like in the and, movie and Jason Statham in keeping with uh, metaphor being dead also keeps bees he's actually movie? like he's he's like I guess Daniel Day Lewis or something like he's like playing it up he's like actually right. living. <laughs> That life, uh, and the 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 biggest like infraction is like there's like this uh, evil company that's like uh, running these scams on old people. Like, hey, uh, your computer has been hacked. Just press the button, and we'll take care of it. Right. And the, then the last straw is that grandma loses <laughs> her life savings yes. to some asshole on the internet not only that she uh you know and a spoiler alert uh spoiler alert for anyone's gonna watch this movie uh but like because of the money taken from her she killed she just shoots herself like which is not a typical thing 80 year old women do just like take a gun and shoot themselves but like that's what happens and then he's like oh these fuckers this changes things and then he goes on this rampage in 2009 uh this week 2009 the top 10 uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop was okay. no, uh, opened at number one, uh, which is kind of funny. Uh, number two is Gran Torino, uh, okay. fo- followed by My Bloody Valentine, Notorious, Hotel for Dogs, Bride Wars, Defiance, The Unborn, Marley and Me, and then at number 10, Slumdog Millionaire. Honorable mention in the top 20 there, we've got Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Yes Man, Revolutionary Road, and The Wrestler. Those are all good movies. Oh, nice. Movies were better in 2009 also is what we're learning here. The uh, What did we watch? The, uh, the the last thing I'll say is that I watched uh, oh, sorry, uh, yeah. on the TV side. Finally, after many, many months of no like anchor show on HBO, like True Detective came back. I don't know how long this gap has been. I think it was like The Last of Us, the last one. Usually HBO, there's always a new show that comes on that slot. And you'll watch it, and then it'll be over, and you'll move on yeah. to the next thing. But there was like a long gap. I don't know what the hell they yeah. had well, on. Well, the writer's strike. Yeah, the writer's strike uh, hurt. And the actor, you know, they were all striking. Right. So, like, the the, the fourth season of True Detective started with uh, What's-Her-Face. Um, and it's, like, I mean, the first episode is pretty decent. Uh, we'll see how it goes. There, there are only six episodes. Jodie Foster uh, is in it. Uh, Re- okay. There are only six episodes. So, hopefully, they're, they're going to pick up the pace here. Because sometimes... You know, beyond the first season, the season two and three, you could have tightened it up a little bit. Like, it wouldn't have hurt if they killed an episode or two. So to have six episodes, hopefully, was like some sort of editorial decision and not like a financial. Um, and and they'll get to the point. Right. We uh, we did not catch that yet. We, we haven't watched had it yet. too much Maybe football tomorrow. and severance to finish it up. Is, uh, yeah. It is it's set in Alaska. I mean, the story is like, you know, like... Yeah. And, and when the... the 
when it's like dark during the period of year where it's just dark the whole time, yes. you cannot pay me enough money, not enough money to live in a all oh, I would dark. Love it. uh, it's just very disorienting. Just like this first episode, it's like, wait, why are they eat? Like, oh, it's it's day it's I daytime. Love, I would love it. Oh. I could do the the constant darkness with the sort of weird minimal dawn that happens where the sky just gets a little bit brighter, right. but it doesn't. The sun never actually comes comes up. I could not do. But it's only a. Few, it's the thing. It only gets full dark. So I follow a girl on Instagram who lives in Svalbard, which is the northernmost city in the world, and I think it's ninety days Oof. with none, Oof. just night. But on either side of that. You get, you know, it's only that 90 days. I see. Or maybe even less. Right. I'd have to but look it like up. It's, it's not 90 Three days. month stretch of but no, it's not, no sun. No, but then in the summer, there's no, there's right. no dark. I could, I could do winter. I could not do I, I, summer. Summer would be hard. I, I don't think I could do no nighttime. I could not do no night. I, I just, my, I don't think I yeah. would put up with it. I have to move. As yeah. long as the sun is around, I know I'm on this planet. You know, like if it was just no sun... At some point, I'm going to, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I would think I've been taken. I'm no longer on planet Earth. I can't prove this. How do I know? Yeah. We watched the end of Severance uh, season one. Oh, yeah. How did you like it? I liked it a lot. I, I sort of, I became frustrated at the end of episode, I think there are nine episodes. At the end of episode eight, I realized, oh, we're not going to figure out anything. Like the, yeah. There's I only, wish it were just a season. There's only one more. I wish it was a story that they just told. There's only one more episode left, and they're absolutely not going to really tell us anything. And I have, by the way, more or less guessed the whatever relevant big surprises. Like there, there's no great surprise right. exactly that happens, um, which is fine. I don't, I don't need a, a great surprise. It was definitely a well-executed finale in terms of those last few minutes and the the tension in in the way that they built that episode very well done certainly and all of that i have i think it's a great show like it's it's a absolute it's an b plus a minus uh season of television and that for me for most people is a solid a plus right like i i I am an obnoxious over critic to the things that i like and and this was a good season of tv no complaints on that front i will say I have a slight worry that the writers are in a lost situation where they don't fucking know uh, what what the deal is. Like, I I don't fully believe that this is a thoroughly fleshed out understanding of what's behind all of the stuff that's going on. That doesn't mean that we won't eventually that they won't eventually figure that out. But I'm also I'm also a little bit weirded out by my initial complaint about the show, which was. I'm not sure that a company that is capable of doing this thing wouldn't have a better answer for the people on whom they thrust this very unpleasant life. Right. Like <laughs> it's a, it's a completely unacceptable thing to do to a human being and your very unconvincing religion is not going to be enough. To, to to convince them to stay in their underground hidey hole and just be content with their life, obviously, like like obviously, right. the only ones who uh, find it acceptable are the ones who are free to travel between the two worlds and not be severed. Right. At the same time, I think there's a really interesting concept at play, 
which is the use of severance in the real world to give people a break from unpleasant experiences. Uh, like That's the, what drugs are. The, the lady who decides to be severed during the end of her pregnancy so that she can give birth without the trauma that is uh, childbirth. Now, I'm not saying that childbirth is always a trauma or that this is a healthy decision that she's making uh, in, in terms of <laughs> not want, not wanting to be present for the birth of her child. I think that's probably not, in fact, a healthy decision that she is making. But as, as a sci-fi television concept, it's extremely interesting. Much less interesting is the way that they're treating the the religious instinct here it this seems like a very sort of facile and sort of 19 year old me criticism of religion and maybe it's deeper than that i don't know where yeah, it's maybe going to go from here yeah yeah maybe they're building to something else but the way that what i assume is uh, uh, not just an implicit but a, a very explicit criticism of the sort of faith that's on display here for me, isn't striking the right tone. It's not interesting enough as a critique of religion or of faith to be worth engaging with. But otherwise, uh, it's a very enjoyable show, and and the the whole thing with the wife is actually alive, and the way that they're able to to do that at the and in the very closing moments of the show is very well done. And if I had watched it back in the beginning of 2022 or whatever when it when it first came out. Boy, I would be very mad about having to wait right? around for so yeah. long to watch <laughs> to watch the next episode. But at some point this year, uh, season two is going to come out, uh, is what I understand, and we'll be able to to just pick it up again here fairly shortly. So that's good. My client today is tonight is watching the last episode of the first season of True Detective. Oh wow! I was like, oh. Happy, happy night for you. <laughs> that could be fun. Skip the second season entirely. <laughs> I want to go back because I still have never actually gone through and written the big, long, annoying piece that I have in me about True Detective and the way that all three of the first three seasons of True Detective are the exact same thing, uh, just executed in in slightly different ways uh, with, with a slightly different attitude. But uh, old, old Nick Pizzolatto uh, was sort of telling one story there, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure that he knew that he was only telling one story there, but it was the same story uh, three That's three like times in a row. Everything is the same thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, like, uh, so what? <laughs> screw you, lady. You don't have to read the essay then. Uh, uh, I do think, as I don't think I've ever gone back and revisited either season two or season three of that show. Season one, we've watched probably three times. Yeah, three times. And could certainly watch it again. Wonderful, wonderful television. I would like to go back and revisit seasons. I think I remember three being school. actively good. Yeah, the, yeah, the uh, second three was good. Yeah, the second season was like the it's all paper mache, the Vince Vaughn weird acting, and it it, it didn't was work. Very weird. Yeah, the second one was very weird, and I wonder if uh, checking it out a second time would it, it would be it, because it came on the, yeah. it came on the heels of what must be yeah. one of the better seasons. Must be said is probably my favorite single season of television that I've ever watched, and that includes. Stuff like Mad Men and Breaking and Breaking Bad. Bad and The Sopranos, and even like you silly things like The X Files and Twilight Zone. Uh, the first season of bad. True Detective is as good as I've ever 
it's as as great as I've ever had an experience watching TV. And so to then watch the extremely weird and off-putting second season uh, while expecting to get more of season one it's like was trying to film unpleasant. Nick Saban's right. shoes. The, uh, not to, to spoil anything, but like even though the the Nick Pizza, what's his face, is not involved with this fourth one, there are a lot of callbacks to the earlier seasons already hmm. in this first episode. Yeah, we're gonna we're definitely gonna watch it. It yeah, was like there maybe was just tomorrow night. way too much football right. and other things to do uh, this weekend. We didn't have a chance, and we've got these kids. We can't just in the middle of the day just like throw whatever on the television. We can. Uh, we just don't. Yeah, just generally don't. Uh, anything else tonight, Abe? Have you got anything else for us tonight? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then, and we'll talk to you next time. Later. <laughs> Hello there, my good friends at Cast Iron Brains. It's a beautiful day here in Plains, and I just wanted to wish you all a wonderful new year. 2024, my goodness gracious, if I recall, Abe, you sick son of a bitch, you didn't think I would make it through the year again. But God did. Abe, you didn't believe. But God did. My kindly nurse here tells me that former President Trump won an hour last night, and the Bucks beat the Eagles, which just tickles me pink. In case you thought I recorded this a while back. Abe, I understand you're retired from gambling. But how about a little wager with the old peanut farmer? I reckon I'm going to outlive one of those sons of bitches. Whether it's Trump or Biden, I'm not sure. If I make it to July 4th, I want you to give up your precious sweet potatoes for six months. If I die before then, I'll talk to Jesus Christ personally about letting you a top five Muslim into heaven when you pass. What do you think? Is it a bet? Either way, it's nice to talk to you again. My old friend, I just wish you would stop wishing me dead. And remember, all the legislation in the world can't fix what's wrong with America. But you know what couldn't hurt? A subscription to this fine podcast, available at brainon.substack.com. God bless you, ma'am. And God bless America. And God bless Cast Iron Brains. And long may reign the brain on international media empire. Also, the Biffa sucks. The proceeding was created with 100% human content. <laughs>